right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast, non-emergency edition. Solly here, uh, Waste Management Recap. To my left, sitting quite close to me, if I may say, Big Randy. Good evening, Solly. You are a survivor, so I think we're, we're probably safe on that front. TC is here. Greetings. DJ Pie is back in warm-ish Florida. Hello, how are you? Great to have you guys back. A uh, lot to talk about, a lot to unpack. A little somber. Today kind of sucked. Let's just be honest. But you know what doesn't suck? When Odyssey created their white hot putter 20 years ago, ignited a putting revolution. Now the most iconic, most played, and most sought after putter insert of all time is back, introducing the white hot OG line of putters from Odyssey. The OG is defined by the famous urethane insert. I've had to work on urethane going through this read. I didn't want another torsional issue going on again. Uh, Urethane insert that golfers everywhere have come to love. An almost mythical combination of sound, feel, and roll. Tour players, amateur golfers, alike can rejoice in the return of a cherished icon. Odyssey took it beyond a simple reintroduction. They got the white hot designs completely reimagined in the two ball, the Rossi, the number seven, and the rest of the head shapes sport modern upgrades and fine surface milling for ultra premium look to inspire confidence over the ball, which is all you need when you're putting. White hot OG putters feature the most popular insert of all time, and they are a beautiful balance of nostalgia and craftsmanship that you have to see to believe. Legendary then, iconic now. See the white hot OG family of putters today at odysseygolf.com. That's what I played growing up. Uh, that was everyone played the Rossi. I mean, it was, oh, I played the number two. Okay, well, everyone I knew <laughs> played the Rossi. Everyone else played the Rossi. <laughs> yeah, and they, I, they haven't come out with the number two yet. Uh, I'm, I'm waiting for it. I'm fingers crossed, man. I'm begging. It's exciting news. The hype has been big yeah. on this, and I'm excited to see it. Yeah. All right, Brooks Kepka wins uh, the waste management. What made Brooks Kepka try this week? <laughs> I think it was all of us uh, fluffing Jordan Spieth for for 24 hours. It had to be. He had to kick it into overdrive. Or P pissed him off so bad. Last <laughs> <laughs> I think I would love, like a mea culpa. I think it was last week that it was like two hours in. I said Brooks Kepka is the most irrelevant good player because he's missed three cuts in a row. And nobody even like noticed. And I believe he said. And I took that personally. <laughs> you could be partially Honestly, to blame here as well. I still feel like he's the most irrelevant good player. <sighs> yeah. I have just have like I think we've all kind of joked about it in the past of, you know, not winning as many tour events as majors. What does that mean? I still don't know what to believe, what it all means, but I know if he's winning PJ Tour events, I think that's a pretty scary sign for the majors to come this year. And the venues that they line up at, Tory, Kiowa, I mean, who knows with Royal St. George's, but that seems to be fitting the mold for a healthy Kepka, I would say. I just don't feel anything. Well, so let's unpack I that. I, I think we have a couple of things here. I, when you say irrelevant, that's a I take it that's a very personal yes, feeling personal that, irrelevance. that you have watching Brooks Kepka play yes. golf. I would say irrelevant means more that like when you play stinky, nobody really notices. Yeah, like when you not, play it's, good, it's like, oh, cool, Brooks is up there. But when you play bad, no one's like, what is wrong with Brooks? Totally. I don't mean no one, but most people don't talk about. No, it. less so irrelevant, and more just uh, it's it's only upside for him. Basically, he can yeah, kind of he can kind of he can work on all the shit, kind of almost undercover of of the shadows, right? Which is a point I made a while ago, vis a vis a guy we'll probably talk about, Jordan Spieth, that uh, he does not get that benefit. It's, don't have that on the agenda. It's but, oh, okay. Well, maybe we can get okay. to it at the end. That'll be my soapbox Sunday. <laughs> I guess the natural question is why? 
That's a big question. I don't mean I, it. I think it, it goes back to Spieth as well. I don't but. mean it in like a disrespectful way. Like I respect his game. I respect his his legacy or or whatever you want to call it. I respect his track record. But at some point, like he just doesn't. He doesn't look passionate, and he doesn't evoke any passion from me. That I totally agree with. I, I think there's a lot of if he looks like a emotionless kind of cold calculated robot going about it. It's hard to elicit strong feelings from myself, and, casual and, fans. Unless it flips so hard in the other direction to where he's just beating everybody by so much that you just have to take your hat off. Like we, we saw a couple of these majors where it's like, man, this guy just is ruthless. He's so ruthless that like now I do like it. This, is, this it, is pretty sweet. It feels like some stolen apathy valor. Well, he's here, not right where he's 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 basically flying this flag of like, yo, look at me. I don't give I don't give a shit about golf. Like, I don't care if I win this tournament. Fuck this. And then like, you know, direct I, quote. I, I never practice. I never practice. And then and then in the post round interview, man, I've been working so hard with Pete Cowan these last couple of years on this, this, and this. Well, you of know, of course what? he's been working hard. I thought you didn't practice outside of major weeks, man. Like those two things don't jive with me. You can't have it both ways, dog. Well, all the sports fans are distracted by Super Bowl Sunday, so he didn't need to try to appeal to them. You know, yeah. you don't want to be seen as practicing that nerd sport. So your, I thought about this a lot today, Randy. I think Kepka is inherently just not likable. Like he doesn't, in, he's not endearing in any personal way. Yet I do enjoy watching him play golf and compete. Like I enjoy watching him beat people. It, it doesn't come from a place of I like and root for this person. It's just the hit, some people that win a, a decent amount that I don't get that feeling. But I do feel at least like a little something, you know, move in my trousers when Kepka's making a move. Does it matter who he's who he's beating? Not necessarily. I mean, th- this didn't do a ton for me. But like when he goes out and wins the majors <laughs> by four shots, like. Bell Reeve, totally. like, I mean, we are rooting for the cat that day, but that was fucking awesome. Like that shot he hit into 16 or 17, whatever that par three was. We can debate whether that was a major, but. Well, yeah, we can, but still. You didn't get jacked up seeing him just beat the shit out of James Hahn today? <laughs> Xander gave it his all. He really. What a weird group in case we don't get to this later. James Hahn, Steve Stricker, Brooks Kepko. What a sport. A couple things on the Brooks, the Brooks thing as well. Okay. I think that on some level, I think golf fans and golf in general, I mean, you've only got so much room for, you know, superstars in your head, right? Like everybody sure. lives and dies with what the cat does. As we were reminded this week, there's a shitload of people who live and die with whatever Spieth does. Rory, we haven't really seen too much form from him, but I, I think he falls into that camp a little bit. I think on some level, it's like, dude, I just, you know, I don't really have the energy to to fit in too many other guys here. And it's, there's probably a bunch of other guys ahead of him in that category too, you know, like Dustin's playing better than him. I don't see anybody really get, Super passionate about Dustin, other than Tron. <laughs> I, was say, uh, I, I think more people you know get I mean? passionate about Dustin. I think they do too, and that's what I'm saying. Brooks is almost even further down that pecking order. Dustin's a lot more artistic than Brooks. Yeah, if that makes sense. Like he, you know, he really shapes the ball. He does like like, like Brooks I, just feels like I, like brute force. He he, he yeah. reminds me a lot of uh, the Jason Day of the last five years. You know, where it's like, oh yeah, no, I mean he's yeah he's good. He's really good. Yeah, Randy, what? Are you All right, cool. On? What else is on? <laughs> I, well, I, I agree with that. Well, I don't disagree he, with that. He's really, really, really good. In case of course, we're like, of course. I, I hope this is, of course, going to sound like a shitting on him, but it has nothing to do with his golf whatsoever. But hasn't been lately. No, I mean, he fallen to true. thirteen in the world, and he was up to he got to number one, right? So it, it's it's worthwhile to note. I mean, yeah, he was the number one player in the world as of Abu Dhabi last year. So I I, I think it's interesting. He doesn't quite fit into a archetype, I guess. Where Tron, to your point, DJ would strike me as the 
like the example of apathetic and cool and you know like guy's guy you know he's he's not sociopathic brooks isn't so he doesn't really fit in that mold i i think it's just a question of like what what are you you know what but he is really good and he's won four majors which is incredible because when you'd start comparing him to most of these contemporaries like outside of rory he's I mean, he's won more than anybody else. Totally. And I think that's almost, he kind of gets stuck in the middle a little bit between, and, and this kind of gets into some of the, the parody issues in golf maybe, but when he was on that major championship run, I think people were starting to really come around and were like, oh, you know, he's the guy on social media, he's chirping everybody and he's doing more articles and people are interested to learn more about him. And then, you know, for a lot of reasons, injury stuff and probably some swing change stuff he hasn't really talked about much. I mean, he's, he's fallen off, and I think that kind of killed a lot of that public momentum maybe. And so if he goes on another tear, I mean, people people like people who win constantly, right? And and there hasn't really been one of those people other than Dustin in golf in quite a while. Brooks is uh, – he should endear himself more to people than he does, and I don't know why, and I'm including this group, for how vocal he is and, like, how straightforward he is with answers and, like, doesn't sugarcoat shit and doesn't do the class act routine. That yeah. should be more endearing to me. But and there's not, such a difference between – not doing the class act routine and just not doing any yeah. routine, right? When you just give one word answers or like you you make it a point to be a dick to people who are yeah. just doing their job. Like that to me, that's what comes off as just I, he's off. also a dick to Bryson, which is cool. Yes. Totally. Which I think everybody loves. Respect the Stuff hell out of lockers. <laughs> which that's his opening, right? If you were to carve out this yeah. persona, I think it would be Bryson antagonist, kind of a uh a bully to to the golf dorks uh, is where I would like to really see him lean into. Yeah. Quick question for you guys. Uh, Brooks Kepka, the holes 13 through 18 this week. So he shot 19 under par total for the tournament. What do you think he played holes 13 through 18 in the final six holes? Uh, 31 on the back today. So probably. I'm looking at it right now. There's a lot of circles. Probably 14 under. 15 under par with a bogey. Jesus. So that's 24 holes, 15 under and 24 holes, the final six holes of every round. Listen, there's some birdie holes out there, but still, that's that's so that I wanted to go look up that the, the his chip in on 17 is, you know, I, I haven't been like I love we guys know this. I love following the data golf stuff <laughs> trending throughout the course of a round. I don't know if I've ever seen somebody's win probability jump so high from one golf shot. It went from 21 percent to 73 percent in one shot. Which was sick. Does that take into account like the rest of the field simultaneously shitting themselves too? <laughs> uh, I would. I don't know if it happened all at the, at the same. <laughs> We'd have to get moment. into the algorithm at that point. <laughs> yeah, it's a, whatever happened in that five minute span. It went from twenty one to seventy four, which was unreal. And they, that we'll save it for Amsterdam. But that happened during commercial, <laughs> and they acted like it was live, which was sick. <laughs> I that this might be gross. off topic, but what I, what do you get from the prediction stuff? I, I don't understand the the thrill of that. I just like because everything everything on TV is going to make it seem like uh, so. Like Xander coming into today, it makes it seem like he has he should win today. Like he he you it's know the numbers context. the numbers say he right? should win when like in reality when he started the day. All right, so bad example. He was like fifty percent to start the day, but like it you know it shows like when Carlos Ortiz got in the house at minus seventeen, his winning percentage was zero point two percent. And everyone on there, like I saw people on social media, like, "Oh, Carlos Ortiz needs to stay warm out there. Like, he is not in this tournament. Like, he is not going to be in a playoff." 
So that kind of stuff, like how with a, on especially on a course that has so many birdie holes coming down the stretch, like seeing what's actually unfolding in the tournament and not being like, you know, Xander like really gagged it down. He wasn't like really behind, like in on the leaderboard he was, but he had the birdie holes in front of him. It reminded us of a certain someone. I know, yeah, Webb Simpson. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I get out of that. He okay. likes it, it. It answers the how far back is too far back question. Yeah, which I believe you could have used some of that help. From what I heard, from what I saw on social media, you said thirteen under was too far back. I th- yeah, it, I I followed that up. I said the the stink fest out of the leaders was a true black swan event. You know what? You can't model black swan <laughs> events. So, but it, it also just makes you, you like take a victory lap on that. Also, Kepka's uh, first win at the Phoenix Open, kind of some whiffs of a home game maybe for him. A little I mean, home cooking. Noda was talking about home games. Today. <laughs> the problem is when you get too many home games, it kind of it's uh. You don't really have a home game. Yeah. Did you have James Hahn? The HGF goes down for everybody. Were you tipping James Hahn in your subscribers only newsletter this week? Well, of course. Of course. <laughs> well, I think it also I can't tell back. the general public, but <laughs> the models are spitting out James Hahn. He knows these greens better than anyone. I think it also that's the premium <laughs> subscription. It also comes back to what what part of the valley you're hanging out in. That's true. Right? Are you up that's at true. Whisper Rock or Silverleaf? Or are you down you, know, you down a little bit closer to the valley floor that that Bones referenced seventeen hundred times today? <laughs> Before we get to the next segment, um, which I think might take a little while, uh, I've, I imagine this to be the case. But have you guys ever wanted to give yourself just give yourself better odds on winning a bet? Have you yeah. ever wanted to? At about five fifteen p.m. <laughs> yes. Did you go for five this week? No, but wow. uh, I, I also placed a, a good deal of real money uh, while I was across <laughs> the Illinois state lines, as I believe I texted you guys about. Uh, I, heard, I heard Georgia's going going live. I know. It'll be a, certainly a shorter drive yeah. to do that. Well, dra- the DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you a chance to do that. All players who place a bet on Sunday nights, this coming Sunday night, uh, the Sunday night basketball game between uh, L.A. and Denver, will have a hand in lowering the over-under on the game. So for every 1,000 players who bet the over on Sunday night's game, the over-under will drop by a point. Bit of a short squeeze going on on the NBA. (laughs) So again, every better who who hammers the over in Sunday's Denver versus LA game helps lower the games over under. The best part is as even as the line lowers, the odds remain at even money. That's right. You can double your money by hammering the over. And if that's not enough excitement, huge title fight happening this weekend at UFC 258. Don't forget DraftKings Sportsbook also offers great odds and promotions on basketball, hockey, and a lot more all week long. Safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your money, uh, withdraw your funds at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app. Now use promo code NLU when you sign up to hammer the over on Sunday night's basketball game when LA takes on Denver. For every 1,000 people that bet the over in Sunday's game, the line will decrease by one point. Yes, this is your chance to improve the odds of hitting the over. So tell your friends, family, this is a team effort. Hammer the over and improve your odds of doubling your money. That's promo code NLU for a limited time only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Michigan, or Virginia. Only restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Or in Virginia, call 888-532-3500. They're just they're throwing curveballs there. In the all, a lot of numbers. All sorts of numbers. Randy, I want to congratulate you on your Kings. Oh, my gosh. TC, the Kings are... It is fun watching that team grow up. Seven and three in their last ten games. Dick Cheney in the backcourt. <laughs> My Jazz are nine and one in their last ten, though. Jordan Spieth. <laughs> um, we don't get to have the elation uh, as we record this here on Sunday night. A lot of calls for an emergency pod Saturday night. Um, you know, if if you, it's like 
you're riding a hot streak at the table. You don't want to mess up the flow. It turns out we couldn't have messed it up more than we, we whatever we did. And then he queefed the hybrid off the first tee. That was fine, though. <laughs> that he was, was an ominous sign. That, that was, was always going to happen, though. I wasn't worried then. Uh, I was worried when the putts weren't dropping today, you know. But yeah, listen, did he have it today? How, Who could say? How good, <laughs> how good was the approach into one from oh, right great. in front of the bush? It was it was fantastic. It, it honestly was a dream start if he wouldn't have hit a range ball. You know, that's like true. You rush it's to the first five. tee. Yeah. You queef the first one off the tee. You're <laughs> scrambling. Tap in five. And then the tap in five. And bud, we are good. And then he has a look on two. Exactly. So then he's now he's there. It's just he's ready. so concerning when you pull hybrid off the first tee and do that. Let's go to, can we go, can we start with Saturday? Sure. Yeah, so we have Thursday, Saturday. 67. Um, which, uh, which is what, one of the most outrageous rounds in PGA Tour history <laughs> it, from, from what I've seen of it. Well, he was 127th in strokes gain off the tee on that day and shot 67, made everything he looked at. Some of the, I, I was not able to watch much golf on Thursday, but was kind of going through on shot tracker and stuff. And and today, some of the reminders of like, here's where Spieth has hit it over the four days. I'm like, whoa, what? Had, <laughs> that one's like 70 yards left. Is that a glitch? What the hell? It was shaping up so perfectly because he just like covered all of his warts in the first two days and got eight under out of it. And then legitimately played a great round of golf on Saturday. It was, I was saying on Twitter, it felt like watching a pitcher throw a no hitter. Yeah. Just, was there a couple guys that took him deep? For sure. A couple loud outs in there. A couple loud outs. Well, it's like a no hitter with like seven walks. Yes. (laughs) Of course. I'm like, you hit a couple guys, Uh, loaded the bases a couple times. Shout out AJ Burnett. I believe he uh, (laughs) exactly spun one of those back in the day. He, so a bogey-free 61 on Saturday uh, makes his first birdie today on the 13th hole and goes and shoots uh, shoots one over. Birdie's the last, of course, but uh, was not... That was a gross shot in 18 today. He stayed in it for way longer than it felt like he deserved to be. He felt like he played himself out of it 35 times today. I but. mean, he should have withdrawn after, like, he's like, yo, dude, I should not be in this tournament. I'm going to withdraw. It's not right. Everybody else is crowning my ass here. That was the only thing that that kept my my hope alive. Was like, man, everybody is punting this away. Like this, These maybe it is suck. meant to be. Who knows? They're and then bending it, the knee. And then as soon as that ball splashed on fifteen, I was like, you know what? I think I I started thinking about that at like Friday afternoon. Like, of course he's gonna, of course he's gonna drive in the water at fifteen. Two Where else miss. could that ball possibly have ended up? But I thought he was going to yesterday on Saturday, and he did yeah. not. He striped it right. And that second shot in there on Saturday, that was the moment for me that I was like, oh. Yeah, maybe he is back. I think, I think he's got his iron play at a place that is near uh, when he was. Uh, he led the field in strokes gained approach the green this week. So hit the shit out of his irons. That's about. I don't think we can expect that every week. But if he's going to play like hit it like that, that's great. Off the tee, it is not resolved. You, you know what he was in like, strokes gained approach coming into this week? What? Uh, T two o four. Sick. Behind Just, who? Uh, tied, with, <laughs> tied with uh, Lee Westwood. Charles Howell's up there. No, read everyone. Oh, sorry. Uh, he's just ahead of Bo I, Van Pelt. I think, like, Spieth seems like, you know, and granted he missed a couple shorties today, but most guys are, like, when they win or when they contend, it's when their putter gets hot. And for him, it feels like the opposite. It feels like when his driver gets hot, he's going to contend and he's going to win. I got bad news. He was third to last in strokes gained off the tee this week. Even with, like... So that's what I'm saying, though. Yeah. It's like, if... You know, the irons are going to be great, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, it was, there's a lot of flashes there. The putting the putting is going to be streaky, but again, hopefully that irrational confidence comes in, and then it's just a matter of if he drives it well that week or not. Yeah, it wasn't the irons and the putter and the, the yeah. wedges that, well, it was the wedges, but that's we can talk about that separately. But 
it wasn't those things that kept him from shooting one under par and getting into a playoff. Does it feel like he's trying to pick up distance? Like he, like he's trying to hit that draw and I just don't squeeze he, as much distance out of it as possible? I don't think he knows where it's going off the tee just yet. I just think it. this course was it played very well for that. I mean, yeah. we can talk about Scottsdale a little bit here um, after we – you know, we should celebrate this. I think more than anything. For I mean, sure, this was this was it's a celebration Saturday, of life. Total celebration. Of life. Saturday made me feel alive. Made me feel hopeful for like the future of golf. Of like watching it on television. I screamed my head off when the putt went in on seventeen. I I tweeted this out. Got I, I legit didn't read the replies because I knew everyone was going to be mad. Like there's two players in the game that are capable of making you feel what you felt on Saturday. It's the cat and it's Spieth. I, I wish I could tell you why, and I want to try to unpack that. But that is; those are the only two guys that can make me feel that. And he's t- only twenty-seven. It's like, not over. All weekend they talked about him. Like, yeah, you know, this guy, like, back in his heyday, <laughs> back, back, you know, twenty-five years ago when he was in his prime. Like, no, he's fucking twenty-seven. I may have made a uh, at, at one point over the last year a, a twenty-seven club uh, image. You know, Jim oh. Morrison and Jimi Hendrix and all these famous people who died when they were twenty-seven. Never posted it. Because he's not dead. He's he's coming back, man. Janis Joplin, I think. Janis Joplin, Brian Jones, of course. I started a rumor in high school that Eminem died. Really? Yeah, when he was God, 27. What a fucking weird thing to what do. You, what, why are you flexing on that? <laughs> but the, the funny part was I it, it was in a rollover accident in a Saturn. <laughs> trying that to see if funny. people would. What's, what is it with you in Saturn? Exactly. Anyway. Yeah, two kind of inspired in by uh, Stan a little bit. A little bit. I was I was hopeful. Oh, damn, it was you. When Spieth hit the drive on two, I was like, yeah. "Oh shit! All right, back, baby." Like that was that was kind of a gut check moment. And then, but so you know, so why? It's kind of trailed off. Why can you? Uh, this question has been floated a lot, and I, I legitimately don't know the answer. So sp- over the course of their career, Spieth and JT have won about the same. I don't know what the exact number is, right? And uh, no one feels like that kind of ride when JT's on a heater and goes out and wins a, a golf tournament. Why is that? I don't have the answer to that, but why is that? I think it's a lot of different it's things. Charisma, baby. I think it's charisma. Is he that charismatic? Of course. Well, or so, is it playing he's, style? He's so vulnerable all the time, right? Yeah. He, he lets you in and he lets you think about, you know, what it is he's he's going through in that moment. Takes you into his process with Mike, um, who's really who, who we should be talking about here and uh <laughs> big week from mike whereas like jt feels like he has all of the physical tools like i was saying it earlier this week on twitter about or earlier today on twitter like Finau, the reason that we feel so like that, that we're so hard on him is because he is so like he has all the tools he has all the physical tools he hits the ball a mile he has the advantage and he doesn't capitalize on it and speed feels like you're just cobbling together all of these these weird little strengths or little like very intangible shit. And it adds up to a hell of a lot more than it seems like it should. I, amen. I, I agree with everything my colleague just said there. I also think that as sports talk radios, this is going to sound, there's fucking big moments and he hits big shots. And yeah. that, that is, you can tell me like what the stats say and how, oh, well, technically he shouldn't make as many as he does. And really, he really misses these and blah, blah, blah. Dude, there's there's so many examples for a 27 year old guy of just it was everything we saw on Saturday. He steps up and he just fucking does it, and that is what people respond to. You know, he conjures it. You yeah, know? and 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 I and think is some is a big portion of that luck for sure. And has and some of that luck run right out? The, yeah, yeah, has some of that run out the last few years? Of course. 
But dude, he, I don't know. I don't know what it is. He just somehow finds a way to to do it, and that's going to always be the thing that people respond to. Whereas it feels like JT has a, a higher ceiling skill wise and swing wise and all that. Like, you know, I think part of it's just the way that JT or that uh, Speed looks doing it too. He's got the chicken wing, and he's you know he he's just always he in just shitty looks spots, uncomfortable yeah. over it and all that. And it's like, no man, like that's that's the that's the journey, that's the process, that's the reward of watching him. I think what's so cool about him is he both simul like it's just this massive confluence of a million different things but i think he somehow is both always the underdog and also has more skills than everybody else you know what i'm saying like he doesn't hit it the farthest so he almost feels like an underdog when he's playing against a brooks or dustin johnson or, or jt or jt yeah. and but somehow like it almost feels like he's just gutting it out of course he hits it far enough to contend everywhere you know but like it's uh, it's a really, really weird combination. And I think there's a bunch of other just off-the-golf-course stuff about him, too. I mean, he's been famous since he was, you know, 15 years old. So I think he's really just good at being famous. I think I think all his family stuff is weirdly, like, humanizing, you know, all the stuff with his sister running out on the green when he got his first couple wins. Like, I mean, who who isn't going to respond well to that and, like, root for that guy, you know? it's it's. I think he's the perfect storm of of people to cheer for. He's been famous since the commish told us about him. Commish tipped us off way I, back. I, I think there is just something to like the way that I felt Saturday. It just being a flashback to like the putt he made on 16 at the uh, at the old course at the open chip. And yeah. he ended up winning that, but he made a 45 footer or the one at Chambers Bay. The putt at Chambers Bay, like those putts, just felt like they were going in no matter what. And I think back to the the pod I did with him two years ago now, which is wild talking about unpacking the final round, the lost round, the final round of the 2018 Masters that, like, he bogeyed the last hole to shoot 64. And the way he phrased it, he's like, all I got to do is hit that ball in the fairway because the next one's going on the green and the ball's going in. Like, that kind of confidence. And that putt he made on 16 yeah. at Augusta that year, he just looks at Mike and is like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, it just, he has this knack for, I hate, like, the generality of that statement of like he has a knack for the big moment, but he has given us so many in like less than a decade. And I don't know why it makes me feel so alive, but it does. It's something you can't quantify or you can't. Yeah. And like, I mean, shit, going back to St. Andrews in 2015, even the putt that didn't go in on 18, where you feel, uh, was it a putt or a chip? Like he missed 18? like an eight footer on 17, and then he didn't hit a good wedge into 18, if I remember right. But he was on way 18, left on 18. Feel like, like all right, off the this thing might go in. Oh, like yeah. It's, you know, I just, yeah, I get excited just talking about it. Randy? <laughs> no, I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what, what excites you about him? You've been on this block. Like, we talk about this all the time. He's the only, he's the only guy. Other than the cat that that does this, yeah, he makes golf fun. He, he plays fun golf. There's there's massive rewards and there's massive disasters. It's honestly for me, it's it's why I love Phil Mickelson. Like he's he's art. He's more on the artistic side, right? He sees things. He's got a flair for the dramatic, and um, obviously he's he's come up huge in big spots, and he's you know broke our hearts in big spots as well. I think his humbleness. You know, for for his his uh, prominence is draws a lot of people in, right? He's an easy guy to root for that way. Uh, but yeah, other than that, I mean, I I would just agree with everything you guys said. It's it, it you could go sport by sport, right? It's the same. Like, what makes some guys more popular than others? It's it's probably a mix of personality and the way they play the game. It feels a lot like Steph Curry, right? Where like he's he's undersized. You know, went to David. Like, it just never really like he wasn't the sure thing. 
right? But he's streaky. Gotten so much out of his talent. Yeah. Which, and that's what's crazy about Spieth is that he so obviously was the sure thing. You know what I mean? That that he was that guy, but somehow he also can almost convince people subconsciously that he's, that's what I'm trying to get at, that he's like this underdog. It's like, yeah, dude, he, you've like, been like a thoroughbred your whole life. But he in the Trackman sure, era, he doesn't jump off the page. I was going to say, you know? he was a sure thing, but he, he's not passing the eye test or he's not passing yeah. the, the Trackman test. I do think, unfortunately, it is similar to the cat, very much a depends on the golf course situation for Spieth. Like, it, Phoenix played into his hands because you can find it in the desert over there. You can make shots out of there. And if you're going to, if you're going to hit 23 of 56 fairways dead last in the field, that's probably a decent place to do it. And a place like Torrey, uh, with thick-ass rough, it's going to be way longer, like this year's U.S. Open, Yeah, probably not great. So, well, Just hearing you say that, like, isn't that Mickelson to a T? Or am I just reading too much into it? I, I mean, the way he's trending is like, oh, God, that's Phil Mickelson for the next 25 years. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah. Can he hit fairways? Further, right? Does his driver suck? Will he make like a ton of unbelievable recoveries and up and downs? Mickelson comp is very interesting. Also, the over under on Spieth winning forty. I forget if that was a Porter. I think it was a Porter <laughs> thing. <laughs> Will he win forty times? And I think he still wants the over. But. I mean, I think we all want him to be Tiger, right? Or at least to have that type of dominant potential. But like, he's not Tiger. He, no, he's, no, no one is. No, no one ever will be. But is he Phil? I think that's an interesting question. Hmm. It took Phil six more years to get one major than Speed, and Speed has three at age twenty. And, and that's just in my timeline. I'm sure yeah. there are better comps, you know, going back further in history. Um, you know, guys who have had much more success earlier in their careers. But uh, j- just the roller coaster ride is God. It's I mean, it's Mickelson to a T for me. Mm-hmm. With so with that many misses in the desert if a couple of those balls bounce into bushes Mm -hmm. are we having the same week here about all these massive positives to take away probably not (laughs) you know what i'm saying like i I, i'm with you there were a couple that i'm like oh my god he like today on one it's like fuck he got lucky that the day could have been over on the after the one swing you know i want to see jordan go over and play abu dhabi dubai saudi arabia (laughs) oman Cotter, all that shit, man. Well, the dry heat swing. Yeah. To, to that point, I think uh, it, and I, not to transition this into the distance stuff, we'll get on that in the back half, but like it goes to show, and you said this earlier this week, I think, that like drivers, is, the, the tee shot is the least exciting shot. That was going to be one of my big takeaways here was for all the people who were on the opposite side of the distance, I don't know, discussion. I, I don't know that it's really a debate. I think Mike Davis kind of said that. Uh, if you can point, like, just write down the the shots that you remember this week, and how many of them were drives, and how many of them weren't speed drives that he drove off the planet? Because yeah. trust me, we're we're riding for more of those balls. <laughs> but yeah, how many of them were just like, yeah, there's another one, three forty two, right down the middle. Awesome, hmm. cool. cool. Now he gets a little wedge in. To <laughs> yeah, feet it's just, dude, it's nothing. none of that. It's like it's, the shots, like Scotty Scheffler from. Semi behind the tree on the front yes. line. Yes. Oh my oh, God, that, that was, was awesome. awesome. That was so so good. Or even just, I mean, the stuff around the green after you hit one of those shots. You know, the the wedge that JT had to that he kind of spun off the front of that green. Or uh, there were some. 
That's a really cool golf course. Do you want to talk about that now? Because I'm ready to say, like, Scottsdale's like now, maybe the fans kind of being a little less prominent this week, like, made me appreciate this because a PGA Tour golf course even more. It was the same thing with Tory last week. Of, like, yeah. you, you get more, and I think CBS did a much better job with the, with the I can't believe I'm fucking saying this, <laughs> <laughs> with the visuals and the camera angles and all that. I thought the camera work was abysmal today. But, um, but yeah, it's just, you know, like, even having been out there, couple times like one two three don't really do it for you but that that like last half of the back nine and then even the first half of the front nine it doesn't get all the acclaim like it's just it's a fun place to watch these guys play golf like it's not i I think it's it doesn't necessarily favor anybody i think that's what i like about it i think a lot of the tpc courses aren't like ironically aren't very good for pro golf and I do not feel that way about Scottsdale. I think no, it's I like one of the most ideal pro golf tournaments. It, it it's got birdie holes out there, but like the, some of the par fours have some serious teeth. The, in the way it's defended with contouring around the greens is what I find super interesting. Like watching contouring in, in short grass, short grass. Yeah. Like watching JT's chip on nine or something today. He had an awkward chip in the fairway, but couldn't land it up on the greens. So oh yeah, that's what up, I was talking about. It, and it, it just nuts. funneled down yeah. to the left, and it was like that. The, and Brooks's shot on seventeen was so, so difficult. Oh my god. There so was a couple difficult. oh god, who was it that chipped in earlier this week or chipped in yesterday? It might have been Cage Lee. But there, there was another one of those two where it, it was I think it was on 17 where it was like, "Oh yeah, oh he chipped in. Oh cool." And then they showed another camera angle and it was like, "Oh my god, he had to drip it over that ridge and then it's running straight downhill to the water." Like, what a hard shot. That was similar to Brooks's today. I, I do think on TV it gets flattened out. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All that all those contours and everything. They're looking from above and um, it's it's an awesome golf course. It reminded me, I know, you know, the desert and all that stuff isn't really the same, although I guess it kind of used to be when it was first built, but it reminds me the the most of Sawgrass, I think, right? I mean, the the way that it's, like you said, it doesn't totally favor anybody. I mean, if you bomb it, great. You can have a lot better chance, but there's a lot more risk in, in trying to do that in some of the holes. And it was just, a, yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed it. I do think the green seemed slow. Especially but but kind of firm, time. though. They, they were get, firm but yeah. slow. It was like a weird combo. I mean, and maybe that was just guys being off in the final group, but it seemed like it was it was outside of the final group, too, where guys just kept leaving putts short or just having really, really tough time judging the distance on putts. And then I think 18, like the teeth are gone from 18. I 18 felt like 18 used to be a, a golf hole, fishing. right? Yeah. yeah. 17's gotten better <laughs> over the last... <laughs> Five to ten years, eighteen seems like a fucking pushover now. Well, they lengthened it and added. I don't know if they lengthened it, but they added those church pews on the left because guys were just bombing over the pond and flipping a wedge up there. But still, it's just like pound. Like Xander had seventy something yards, in, or Brooks had seventy something yards in to go. Which, the by the way, guy, like they kept making a big deal out of the out of the altitude. It's like twelve hundred feet. I was gonna look that up. Yeah, I was. I was like, man, did it. Place get pushed up a little bit. I didn't really remember that. Well, being and crazy. It's a thin air though, too. I mean, the ball flies out yeah, there. Yeah, that's true. It's a and, it's, and, it's a dry it's heat. A dry it's heat. a dry heat. A ton of people forget that. But but legitimately, like uh, you know, the the baseball, it, the the ball flies. I I I I believe I've said this, but I want to emphasize it again. Just how freaking great of a hole! Not only at where it is in the round, but like watching the seventeenth hole is truly one of the most fun holes yeah. to watch on the PGA Tour. Just every I don't know what a flaw in it would be because. If you go left, you're in the water, and like statistically, looks like 13% of tee shots went in the water. Uh, this 21% today in round four, like with the pressure on balls go in that water. Uh, guys are sending it, but like there's just so much to consider. There's that one little pot bunker, uh, the Finau, RIP Finau bunker, 
and then all the contouring around, like where you have to play. God, I remember when Fino laid up into that bunker. <laughs> that was God, sick. that was sick. He made par. He's fine. <laughs> um, like where guys, like how much. Can't catch a break. Like the, <laughs> the far right pin today forces you. Like if you bail right, you can't get close Sol- to that pin. Sol- Solly's setting up the alley-oop. For the, for the, <laughs> you guys are so easily distracted. For the Hartford, for the Hartford take, you know, about the rough. Oh, now there. that you brought it up. Hey, yeah, a shaved bank on the left is actually, people are still going for it. Who'd imagine that? That's unbelievable. The big takeaway from that one, uh, you know, kind of talking about speeds ball, like you said, if if that was 15 Hartford, it might have stayed up. Which I don't know, it was motor. It was moving pretty good. but It was barely crawling. Uh, the that was the best effort or the best example I thought this week of you know again talking about the distance stuff. It's like, dude, all the excitement in golf is is when the ball's on the ground for sure. Like, how awesome was that? Just as soon as it left the club face, you're like, oh my god. Same thing with Han on like eleven. What's gonna, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? Han yeah. on eleven. You're like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Is it gonna go long? Eleven's <laughs> yeah. uh, a cool hole too. Twelve's yeah. a cool hole. I will say this about Speeds Paul on seventeen. I tried to find the DJ video of. Most important thing you need to know <laughs> when hitting a fade is to fade it. Like uh-huh. Spieth needs a go-to fade in, on that shot. He should not. Yeah, yeah that was. Tough. I forget yeah, he's who got the tweeted whole it. World to the right. <laughs> Somebody tweeted it was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe that rope hook rolled all the way in the water." Uh, I appreciated his uh, his kind of faux outrage about uh, you know about that ball going all the way in the water. It's like, yeah, well, come on, man. Where else did you think that was going? Uh, Fifteen. I I just I love that that Sunday pin in the front there, yeah. where like it truly you truly have to hit it a great shot to get it to stay there. Like either you're going to come up just short like Scheffler's ball did, or you're going to go, you know, 30 feet by and have mm-hmm. a tricky putt coming back yep. down. Same with 13 on Saturday was, was yeah. a similar pin, super accessible, but, um, but yeah, 15, again, th- these are like just really good pro golf holes, you know, like probably like kind very, of a disaster for an amateur. A lot yeah. of these force carries and water holes and w- like how this balls feed away from some of these hole locations. But watching pro golf on these holes is really fun, I think. Any aces this week, Randy? No aces. Mm. Sucks. Hate that for you, bud. Especially with, you know, 16 playing, what, 120 yards or something They say it's just a flip wedge. I would say shout out Tom Weiskopf, who is battling pancreatic cancer as well. But he was the the one who did the renovation. I think he originally designed it too, right? Did he? Yeah, I thought thought he just did the renovation recently. But I stand down. I've played three or four Weiskopf courses. I always come away just liking them. Yeah. I don't know He's one of those Forest Dunes, the original course up there. We need to do a deep dive on Weisskopf, one of the low-key most interesting guys that very few people know much about, I think. Scottsdale's grown up really well, too. I mean, that year that Phil won it several years ago, like at 30 under, I think they're like, all right, this has got to go under the knife a little bit. And they've made some some grown-up changes to it. And I like the watching the waste management. It, so. 16 continues to be not good. I, I hate how they've enclosed it all with uh corporate hospitality that like truly is a bummer it's gentrified yeah yeah yeah, it's exactly what it is how much do you think it costs to play there 399 in the summer i've heard it's cheap (laughs) because you'll die 600 degrees (laughs) it's a dry it's dry it is a dry heat though (laughs) it looks like there's a uh i mean i bet it's cheaper than sawgrass i bet it's about 100 in the in the summer I was just looking up uh, three, like July one. Like <laughs> I, just, I just skipped ahead a couple Saturdays to see what the tea time was. Seven, you can get you a seven forty tea time for three hundred eighty bucks. Hmm. I don't think I'd hmm. not worth that. I mean, how, how much does Sawgrass cost? You, you got your whole day ahead. Like four fifty. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, That's, it's truly one of those golf courses that I would rather watch somebody else really good play. To close the book on speed, <laughs> I don't need to play it. Are we? Yes or no question? Is he back? We're in beta testing. 
Yes that's or no a, question. That's a really it's, good way to yes put it. Yes or no he's question. He's going to be back. He's not back yet. But but it, So it's a no. If it's either yes or no, I'm going to say yes. Okay. Because the beta, they, it's so, all the results we're seeing from the beta testing are so positive. It's so far along. He's, I'm breaking news. Uh, he's up to 69th in the world ranking. <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, I, he will be back. For sure he will be back. How, how many spots did he jump then? Uh, by my mind. math, about 23. Gosh, he's only up to 111 in the FedEx Cup. Mm. Mm. Which mm. everybody knows that's is the truth. That, that's the truth for I'm going to I'm gonna say, if it's a yes or no, I'm going to say no. But I do want to go back with uh, with my colleagues again and say he will be back for sure. It's just We're going to get with our developers and all that stuff. Yeah, like, well, you know, I mean, he's what? He's going to Pebble next week? Likes Pebble? One there. Mm. Randy's he back. Next week will be a really good good barometer, I think. It, at at like, this dude, he, second? No, he, he's not back. He, he drove it back. so fucking bad. Yeah. So bad. But it kind of... But he'll for sure yeah. be back at some like, point. Like, do I... Did this make me thrilled for the Masters? Yes. But he's going to win the Masters. But is he back? I, I would say no. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. A week after or two weeks after you were you were... Writing him off as dead in the world of golf ranking. What an unbelievable <laughs> stretch! Of the, it was just a bit. No, I was, I was hedging my happiness. Da, 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 da. I laid it out very clearly. Like no one's going to be more thrilled. But am I betting on him being improving his world ranking? No, I wasn't thinking that was going to happen. But looking for a sign of life, and we got it. Who do, who do you think? Wins I lose first? every bet. I did this for you guys. Who do you think wins first? Oh God, Spieth or Fino? Fino. I mean, Fino's so freaking good at golf. Like, <laughs> yeah, but he's not going to win. Winning. <laughs> I would bet on. I would. Do you want to? You want to wager on that? Sure. Apology wager. Sure. I would okay. love Form, to. I'd love to get on that. Formal apology. Formal apology. It's got to be. Know, how about, how about these stakes? If Fino wins first, I will publicly and with. 100% conviction declare that Pittsburgh is in the Midwest, is in the Northeast. <laughs> wow. Wow, I can't believe you do that to me. And if Spieth wins first, Solly needs to publicly Ab- declare Pittsburgh is in the not. Midwest. Absolutely not. Absolutely not? Oh, it is not in the Midwest. We've been over that. I'll, I'll do an apology wager. All right. I think the mm-hmm. apology has to be a, a standalone video. And, and it needs to be over, over one minute long. With, okay. with somber tones. Yeah. Okay. Very earnest tones. Love yeah. that. I'm uh, in on that. You in on Solly, that? Maybe like a Before PGA we, Billy or uh, Augusta National Billy Payne yes. type of apology. Yes. Our 100%. hero let us. No, no, no. It'd be like the blue curtain apology. The cat apology. Okay. Yes. All right. All right. <laughs> Sorry. Before it, we move on we, from speed. If Fina wins, I, do we have to do ours together or you want to do them separate? I think separate. Okay. We can do them separate, but in the same video maybe. Okay. We'll stitch them together. Yeah. Fix it in post. What do you think about the skunk man? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, Robert Damron tweeted, Butch Harmon is a genius on Saturday. Insinu- what I would fair, believe to be... Fair, yeah, no, no context. No context. Like he tried to play it off yeah. like, whoa, is my statement not true? But like insinuating that Butch Harmon was responsible for Spieth's comeback here, which is, we, as we've covered in previous episodes, complete bullshit. And needed called out. So that's it. Not there good. you have it. All right, putting a bow on Spieth. Can we talk Xander now? We can. Mm, tough. Stinkiness. Guys, it, it was. I'm. I'm worried that Stefan might not be his biological father. That he's one of Finau's kids. <laughs> so everybody that I trust, out there, like everybody, caddies, media people, other players, electrons across the world, 
all of them are like, dude, I love Xander's game. I love his attitude. I love his mental makeup. He's I a love, dog. I love his practice patterns. I love his work ethic, all that shit. And then like over and over and over again, I just feel like I'm being snowed over here, man. It's not good. So I have some numbers. When Xander Shoffley, since his last win, which uh, was we talking in tour championship win? Or are we talking full field or not full field? Well, because the tour, he won the tour championship. Uh, he won the gross division, no, not won, the net he won division. The tour championship. He didn't win the FedEx Cup. Right. So this is included within that. Okay. Since his last win, he uh, when entering the final round, anywhere between first and fifth, he has performed to a true true strokes gain of two point zero, which is very good. Meaning. So based on his probability going into the final round, this sounds a lot like his father. Expected wins two point zero five. Expected wins given how he played two point nine one. So he's actually even played better in final rounds than expected. <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there. He knows his opposite. So uh, this is a different situation, I think. Listen for sure. <laughs> but you always, also, hope, you always hope your kids get to live a better life than than you were able to. Like I I don't know. At some point, it's it's the old saying, you know, you can't piss down my leg and tell me it's raining. Like I, I don't care what your numbers are saying over there. <laughs> I'm <laughs> he, with you, Randy. <laughs> he he ain't doing it. <laughs> yeah, it's <sighs> like today was fucking damning. It was right? really bad. Today was definitely not good. He should have won that tournament. By it like was like five Fien- shots. Finale last year, like Finale. I feel like it was a the 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 roars got louder and louder. If, Hey man, like what's going on with Finau after he gagged this last year when the rest of the field played like absolute dog shit? <laughs> That's a cheap shot. We're, <laughs> this is this is we're obfuscating the conversation. I, I, we've we've litigated last year's Waste Management Phoenix Open many many times. I mean, at, uh, at least we got to pick, pick, saying, we gotta at pick least our Sanders battles. going for it though, right? Whereas Finau's laying up into the pot bunker. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't even know what your point is. No, I, you know, I'm just saying I respect Xander a lot. Are you talking about Xander? I don't even know at this point. It, it's it's objection. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. The, well, if if I may, TC, <laughs> if I may, my, my, what he's trying to say. My co-counsel is going to take over for me. What you say is love is blood. <laughs> I, I I think. Listen, we got to keep in mind. Uh, Fina, the the level of. Uh, Depravity, <laughs> depravity. I can never pronounce that word. That's like Neil saying Whaleberg Walberg. <laughs> like it's it's we're not that we're not in that situation. Like like Xander has at least has some bona fides, but but to your point, there was nothing out of him I saw today that would be like, oh, he's a top five player in the world. It it was like, but like all the objective metrics are there. Like he's absolutely crushing his driver. Right. He's he's hitting. Great iron shots, all that. He's 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 like he's twenty seven. He's the same age as Spieth, and like, why does Spieth, with seemingly far less physical talent or or you know objective physical talent, have so much more on his resume than Xander? Xander's wedges were ass today. They were so bad, <laughs> really, really stinky. I mean, Spieth's were too. <laughs> for sure. It's hard to win. Some guys, I and. You know, maybe it's just that it's it's a mixture of luck and you know being able to to execute when you have to execute. He and that's what was weird was I mean he started to look just a little just a little swaggy. Birdie's fifteen, 
birdie 16 after getting a great read, but uh, birdie 15 was a seven footer, birdie 16, and then god damn that swing on 17. Like, Sully said it would look like the drone flying into the tree. Like, it was just no, 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 <laughs> immediate homing missile into the water. That was not good. I mean, the drive on 14, too, missed down the left on 14, and like, you know, 487 yard par four, but but at the end of the day, like. That's not the side to miss it on, right? Yeah, that was. So I, I just I I really want him to be I want him to be a killer. He seems like a killer. Not a killer. Smells like a killer. But everybody's not a killer. Telling us he's a killer, and like that's I want to believe in this guy. But at some point, like, show us, man. Go get it. So I I know shout out to Tony Fina. I know podcast. very very well. <laughs> Let's get it. <laughs> I know very, very, very well that this is like this has zero chance of going over well. Like absolutely none. You gotta throw <laughs> some red meat here. So he was trying to set up the angle on seventeen. My, my guy is <laughs> the speed angle. Exactly. Angle. My guy on the opposite side of the court is beat on the back door. I'm running over to come take the charge, but I'm just gonna get dunked on here. I, I'm very well aware of that. We are as a golf watching community, uh, <laughs> design like inherit these truths to be self evident <laughs> <laughs> that winning is really hard. We are told week in and week out that like being great at the game means winning on these individual occasions, right? So if somebody goes miscut, 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 win, that's better than going T4, 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 T4. Like that is inherently like, of, of course. And that, that's a big time paradox. I give you, yes, I'm with you. Right. I, I don't 100%. even. I don't even know if it's necessarily that because it that totally depends on your value system, right? As a fan versus as like a, you know, appreciator of the game or somebody who's who's trying objectively to. But it always ends up. Well, he's got more wins than Ricky Fowler does now, and that's where it, like ultimate barometers yeah. judged by how many times in a four day period There's you were the best. One guy out of 156 or whatever that wins. I get right. that. So. It try. I'm he trying to see where I'm going with this, right? It's like the I, the yeah. best tournament players. Let's look at a landscape different than the PGA Tour, right? The best tournament players. You would look at the dudes that like finish in the top five all the time. Like, dude, that guy is always beating me. Like he's so that that's where I, I struggle with some of these dudes that like seemingly can't get it done in the final round, even if they played decently and it hasn't worked out in their in their favor. For like some of these guys, like looking up at them, like if we're talking about who are we just talking about, uh, Jonathan Vegas, who has three PGA Tour wins, and Xander has four, and the, granted their careers are different links, but I'm like, yeah, Xander beats Jonathan Vegas all the freaking time. Like Xander beats Data Golf's got him as the third best player in the world right now for strokes gained right now. Like he beats people constantly. That doesn't mean nothing, and I think it can always when it gets like at the end of the day being like, ugh. Stinky Xander. But blah, that does blah, blah. mean the expectations are higher. 100%. As well as, like, he shot 66, 64, 65, and then 71 mm-hmm. in the final round when everybody else was collapsing. Fucking and I don't Steve think Stricker that means 67 today. It's I, not like it was. I don't think that means nothing. That's yeah. not my point. It's just that's where I struggle some. That's where, like, I, I don't. I have no personal ties to Fee now, but that's where I come at. It's like, my, my take, like, it's fucking unbelievable that he hasn't won more of these things, but I'm also like, how has he beat? So many people every single week. How do you beat ninety nine percent of the field every week? And I struggle like, and I, like as someone who has played in some tournaments, if I was like, if I beat ninety nine percent of the people all the time, even if the fields are shitty, I'd be like, oh my god, I feel really good about that. And I know it's not like that in the in this in sports society, and that's just, that's where I come from on all that. I will take no, any it, barrel fire. No, no, no. I think that's totally fair. It's it's the thing. It's the whole you know, it 
the whole disconnect that like you know you got to be really really good in order to choke in the finals right like <laughs> in order to to get to the finals like yeah you have to be really good super bowl it's like a bad mark for lebron to, to have bowl. lost in the finals six times <laughs> right like, but it's like exactly. you're you're taking the 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 perspective of like an objective observer and i think everybody else is taking this perspective of like a fan who also has high expectations for the number three or four player in the world and i think by the ultimate metric he succeeded wildly this week he went from sixth to, to first in the fedex cup <laughs> best, best so that player was, in the world that was weighing on him the whole time <laughs> but uh, so i think to your point and i kind of mentioned this offhand earlier about you know just the parody in golf and not really having uh, we have dustin i know but outside of that there's nobody that's really stuck their hand up is like all right i'm i'm the guy like come i'm gonna fucking win all the time and I think the in the absence, could be that, right? but he hasn't been for totally six years. You, you know what I mean? And then he died. Yeah. It's just, I think in the absence of those guys, and of course this is Tiger throwing the whole metric off, but I mean, in the absence of having that, it's like, how else do you separate these guys? And if you're expecting a fan to, to lay out the case that you just made, which I think is a totally rational fair one i just like people aren't going to do that they like they're they don't take it they don't look at it the same way that we look at it you know for 50 hours a week here it's much more just like dude who won and who didn't and who hit it in the water on 17 and who didn't but and watching today it's like brooks chipped in on 17 xander hit in the water on 17 like what else am i supposed to say other than that i can analyze it for the next seven days until xander probably finishes second next week too or finau finishes second next week or something like that but can i ask you why that is though because I, I i do think their attributing factor is the way it's presented like it, it, the way golf on tv is presented is like he could hold this from the fairway to to get into the playoff like they don't even they don't present why you should care about second place so i think what that leads to is a lot of people not caring who finishes in second 100 second versus fourth why when we watch formula one i was going to say the same thing when Carlos Sainz passes Esteban Ocon on the final lap to get an extra couple points for his team, why do we care about that? Versus how many FedEx Cup points does a fifth-place guy get? Do you know the answer to that? Well, shitload. We I do, have no idea. We do this for yeah. a living, and we don't know the answer to that. Like it's. Do you it, know? Can I guess? I Sure. I'm concerned. I'm concerned, though. No, I think it's less. I'm going to say 76. I'm concerned that you're arguing that the FedEx Cup is the answer to this. <laughs> like, <laughs> like providing context. No, it kind of is, though. Like, so, which might prove that this is a bad way to look at the game. But, I mean, he's right in that, like, if you... The FedEx Cup... It's not a zero-sum game. The FedEx Cup, right? by any yeah. measure, is a great indicator of who had an awesome season. Like, no doubt. Yeah. If, if it it's was just, like average I, number of FedEx Cup points per start, yes. But like it, I just don't yeah. fucking like care about that. Nor sure. I don't think do any of you guys. I so don't. that kind of almost proves my point, which is like, dude, I, I've only got X number of time to to dedicate to watching golf on TV. All I got time to care about is who wins. You guys are also talking to like an Atlanta Braves, like a guy that grew up watching the Atlanta Braves. Like the Braves won 15 or however many division titles in a row. Like that feels to me like getting a shitload of top fives but not winning, right? Fair and enough. And it's yeah. like at some point, like the the banners, the pennants are out there or they're not. And that's it's like it's it it, it maybe it is a zero sum game, right? Of like you, like that's what the money's for. These guys are getting the money, but if they really want to be talked about in a certain way, and I think with Xander, you can be a little bit more patient with Xander because it's not like he was some he's won four times some you know sure thing from the start. And like Xander's, Xander's only twenty seven. Like I could see Xander just like his his, you know, amateur career. Like 
I could see him being a little bit more of a late bloomer. And like once he gets his feet under him and, and learns how to win and how to close people out, he's going to be fucking dangerous. But I think it's just going to, you know, it's like take a couple more years. Now, when he's 31 and he's still doing the same shit as, Rick, as Tony Finau, then, then we'll have that conversation. Okay, I got some thoughts. I think the money has changed everything in professional golf. I think to answer your point about Formula One, Formula One has constraints built into the sport, right? The mm-hmm. the technology is different. The resources of the teams are different. There's uh, only there's only twenty guys. There's a, there's a limited number of guys, and so we we know that you know, for example, the Haas team, right? They they don't have the resources. So if if they would finish in the top ten, right, and earn points, that is a massive victory for them, given that that disparity. Shout out to Gunther. Uh, I think if you look at you know Corn Ferry or even you see it on the on the LPGA, like the the money that a person could make by finishing like fourth in a given week is is life changing, right? And it can do so much for them. Where on the PGA Tour, it's like, oh cool, they they go cash another big check, but like why why do I care about that? You know, it's um it, so I think in that sense it has just turned into listen you're either winning or you're not winning because I don't care like you're adding extra zeros to your bank account that doesn't do anything for me so I yeah I I I, I totally get your point too and I think it's a good point I, I just think it's like as coming from a fan's perspective I'm not asking you to care yeah yeah I don't care but like it's I, like I yeah like why I would like to care. <laughs> I yeah, would. No, I'm with you. Or, or even back in like the, you know, before pre-Tiger, right? When it was a, an amazing thing to make a million dollars in a year. When the money list actually mattered, right? And it was like, oh my gosh, will, will so-and-so make a million dollars this year? I, I'm sure a guy finishing in the top 10, like three consecutive weeks, like would excite people a lot more than it does today. Because it's just, I, I don't know, like I... There's just so little to care about in golfing. And it goes back to like the Adam Scott's thing. Like only like four events matter each year. And so made, it's like, what are we doing the rest of the time? You're either winning or you're not. Xander made $649,700 this week. Like the guy that, that sticks out to me in the top 10 that, that it probably meant something to him was like Matthew Neesmith at, uh, he finished T7, made $229,000. I was getting ready to ask, without looking, how much money did Andrew Putnam make this week? <laughs> I had no idea. He made $229,000. Where it's um, like, that does mean something to them, but 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 at the end of the day, like, but I don't even that know. story's not right. getting yeah. even They're not telling me that story. Told. Yeah. L- legitimately, I didn't know Andrew Putnam like was on tour still. <laughs> did not see him hit one shot and. For an event that bad example because there are fans of this one. The the idea that like some of these guys get six figure paychecks for playing golf in this entertainment event that like didn't entertain us at all is that's a separate conversation. It's wild, man. But well, anyways, and then, it's, and on that then, note, should we get and to then, Saudi? And, and then we get into the fact that like the top players are probably still underpaid too. So you know, a guy like Spieth like probably was underpaid this week for what he provided to the tournament. That, that's right, and sorry, this is this is a pet peeve of mine. But when you when you hear, I, and none of these guys specifically, but you'll hear some men with regard to the the pay equality debate say, "Well, it's simple supply and demand." It's like there are four people in men's golf that truly drive <laughs> demand, and and everybody else, like I, I hate to break it to you, you don't have a market. You're a free like, there, yeah, there is no market. <laughs> There's some of you that are like name names over here, but. I, well, I mean, like, no offense, but like Putnam and Neesmith, like nobody cares. No market there. It's tough. 
I, uh, before we move on from this conversation, if, if we're going to be uh, putting somebody on notice for not closing tournaments, is it time? Steve Stricker? <laughs> is it time to have a discussion about Scotty Scheffler? For sure. I was okay. very, very, I mean, granted, yeah, I wanted to see more this weekend. I did. Um, at the end of the day, though, too. I thought he looked better than Xander Spieth. He's, he's 24. Last, it was last year's rookie year on tour. Who could say? Yeah, it was. Right. I mean, he's been on tour for like. He's twenty four in dog years, though. <laughs> he's had a uh, he's had a final round starting position of T one, T two, T two, T three, T three, T five, and solo fifth. He's been in the top five that many that many times. I'm just throwing. Which it last there. year he was actually struggling on Saturdays. Yeah. Uh, midway through the year, so I'm you know it seems like he's gotten the Saturdays figured out. Now he's working on the Sundays. Um, he's fun to watch, man. He's, he's awesome. a blast to watch. It's and it's like raw athletic ability. There's not there's nothing mechanical or um, you know like just just like boring about it. It's I, like it's, I, it's a flourish. I believe the term you you've used many times in the past is he's very greasy. Oh, he's so greasy. <laughs> which which always sticks he's, with me. He's like the he's like the you know thirty eight year old dude banging down low at the rec league games and then and then I'm so glad you went basketball like, <laughs> <laughs> shooting like you know high floaters over people and like step back three completely sweaty yeah. shirt like nobody wants Harry to Harry shitty as yeah. like the you know the 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 you know mid-length white crew socks on I, I don't know why he might be 20 years younger than him but he reminds me of Ryan Palmer for some reason really TC's boy too. <laughs> yeah no, much much higher upside. The game, oh, much higher upside yeah. for sure. I'm just saying his game. You know, Texas guys, similar kind of look about him a little bit. Scotty Scheffler is the poster boy for if a player hasn't won on tour, you are obligated to say it's only a matter of time yeah, before sure. wins out here. I heard. That, I think I heard that four times related to Scotty. This week. you want to talk about FedEx Cup? He finished what fifth last year or top. Top five last year as a rookie? Oh, so now you like top fives. No, I'm saying <laughs> con- context, baby. So, yeah, the numbers on him show that with the, the he expected probability going into a final round, he would have one win. Given his play, it falls to point six. So he has struggled in final rounds, but uh, it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of it's time. A, you brought up a really good point. You kind of got me my head turning on the, the money stuff and, and how you how – you, really make, you know, and we talk about the player-run organization and all the players have an equal voice and yada, yada, yada. I, I just, man, that's a tough conundrum to make that to make that many people care about that many players. It's just, that's a really hard but, system but to try to figure out. At least make them care about some of the well, players. And when you whitewash them all and class act totally. everybody, you don't, yeah. do, you don't do yourself any justice, like truly creating interesting storylines. I, I, when it looked like James Hahn was going to ruin the Spieth-Xander duel today, I should have said the PGL should have ran a commercial right then and there and just be like, hey, we won't have James Hahn. <laughs> like, that's the whole point. And, it's we're, like, and we're not going to show you Gangnam style. Yeah, there's going to be no curveballs thrown in it. Like, you're going to get Spieth versus Xander, and no one else is going to get in the way of that. And that would have been a very effective commercial right at that moment. Uh, tough, tough back nine for James Hahn. I, I kind of like James Hahn. Man, that was a Super Bowl, no pun intended, for what's currently going on as we're saying that for Paul Azinger. Han getting into the lead, the yeah. pressure, the pressure that no, came later, later board that gravity. Choking up. I mean, he was totally he was very right though. Yes, extremely. I just like Han at reminded some me. point, like Han there's Han has, has done fifty more interesting things than that fucking dance. Oh my god. <laughs> it's it that it is infuriating every time I see it. I mean, what? 
if that's infuriating, that's you letting that infuriate you. It what? Infuri- of course they're going to show that. It's at Phoenix. Come on. It infuriates me too. too. It infuriates it me too. But Phoenix like, come too. on. It's what? What are they supposed to do? Not show that? I, I think you. Uh, sorry, I don't know what led me here. I think it was the Formula One. Honestly, uh, I, we've mentioned the PGL stuff, but like, think about creating a. And I'm. We don't have to turn into that. But if you had a model where you had 32, 40 guys. All these head-to-head matchups, re, you know, like h- how much more invested you would be in like the golf outside of just purely oh he he won. I care about like one thing this week, right? There, yeah. there, it would create so many more. Well, story and there'd be lines. relegation, and they'd be yeah. like there would there yeah. would be very distinct tiers versus like no, there's 125 guys that keep their cards. Plus, if you've won, plus plus all the, these these other eight subcategories <laughs> that we've gerrymandered in. But you know what they have a future of? And I'm no joke for me, and this is, uh, like, of course, they're a sponsor of ours, but, like, the DraftKings stuff that we do has gotten me, like, following shit. Yeah. Way more shit than I yeah. usually would. Like, sure. Will Zalatoris, I was living and dying by the shot tracker. so tracker. bummed that so, he kind yeah. of filled his pants today. Create your own reality. Yes. I mean, that's where, like, the tour golf, you just have to have, if you're not going to, like, promote and encourage truly interesting personalities... Right. And, and, you know, we're just so far divorced from people driving week to week and, and having like actually interesting people as, as pro golfers. Yeah. Yeah. All, all that we're left with is like, well, yeah, did you win or not? But then the tour can't even like <laughs> I don't, bother I don't to give us otherwise. the fucking updated scores on the app on the leaderboard. Like, that's what kills me is like, at some point, like, if you want to grow the game, fine, do that. But you got to serve the, the core audience as well. What's but, next? Hampshire. Well, Sorry, real quick. It's rare we stumble into you know <laughs> substantive conversation on this pod, so I want to I want to keep this going. But Randy, I think one thing I've always thought about is like I obviously did not watch golf in the seventies and eighties, so I Randy I have, Randy did Randy I, did I know and Scotty Scheffler in a, did in a previous life. <laughs> but, I grew to love the game. <laughs> <laughs> like I wonder all that you know driving event to event and uh, back when when guys were characters and blah blah blah. I wonder how much that is real and how much of that is romanticized after the fact because i would have to guess everything still had to be so star driven in those days and of course you had you know arnold palmer and then jack and trevino and then faldo and norman and all those guys but i I think that's what i keep coming back to and i tweeted something or i think brandle was chirping at me on twitter this week about this but (laughs) that's where i keep coming back to like no we don't have that many stars and that's what what this week stood out to me more than anything was like Spieth is the guy. He's the guy that like gets people excited and that doesn't happen for anybody else other than Tiger, like you said. And part of it though is like how do you develop stars? You let them do shit that that's outside the norm. Guys do stuff that's memorable. Guys do stuff that's like and, and you don't punish them for it over and over and over again. Like like Xander saying something, you know, like I'm sure he got a talking to from Big J this week or all right, cool. Like make Reed into a true villain. You know? well, I think there's that. I think there's definitely things you do on the marketing side, but I also think this leads into the the equipment conversation. And you know, the paragraph you read on the Shackleford podcast that I like so much, what blew my mind about that and and just crystallized it for me was when you make when you make the game involve more skill at the highest level, the more skilled players are going to rise to the top. And you just cut so much of this middle ground out, and it just yeah. seems like it would make it so much easier to have less parity. Mm. 
on the PGA Tour. And, and you, you make these, you know, I'm not, God, imagine how far offline Spieth would have drove it this week if, if we had uh, any of the equipment changes in place. But, but other people would have been there with him. Yes. The, the point being, like, it makes Rory better. It makes Rom better. It makes Brooks better. It makes all these guys bring the like foul ball back. Bring variance back. It, the tournaments get so much more exciting if there's variance and there's actual. Totally. And I think that loops it all the way back to the Brooks conversation, which is like, yeah, maybe with some sort of equipment change, like Brooks does win more, and he become he starts running downhill more, and he does start to win more majors, and he does start to be more interesting, and all of those things. I think, I I don't know. That's what gets me the most excited about the distance stuff. And there's a bunch of obfuscating conversation about you know like Shackford said they're coming to take your guns away but I think that's the most important crux of this is that it makes the PJ Tour hopefully create more stars because you're not doing it with the Gangnam style uh, package you know what I mean and we we'll talk distance here in a second I promise Um, the way I the best way I can think to explain it I I forget if it was one of you guys that said initially but and I know this is bad radio. You can't see what my hands are doing, but picture a bar, and I'm holding a bar up high, like above my head, with like a with technology. The game is trending like closer and closer to this mythical perfect golf. Like it's no one's ever going to play perfect golf, but it rises so many people close to that level, and no one's going to ever touch it. But then you just become it becomes kind of this probability ridiculousness that yeah, sure. a There's game no ends up with. You're so desensitized to actual like. Just coin skill and, and 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 excellence. Yes, and so if you if you are lowering, when I say lowering the standard of play, I don't mean like I'm not saying we're going to watch guys just play shitty golf, and I think that's what a lot of people think the rollback means. But if you lower that, and so no one's coming close to this, you know, mythical perfect golf. When people are separating themselves, it's going to be that much more special, and the cream is going to totally. rise to the top. Yeah. Like a million times over. Like every week and then also on a month-to-month basis, also on a year-to-year basis. I mean, that's, again, that's what gets me the most excited about it. Amsterdam or Saudi Arabia next? Gosh. Let's talk Let's talk Saudi. Okay. DJ wins. That's that's all I've got. I don't know if you guys have anything else Twice you want to discuss. Twice in three years. Beautiful views of the <laughs> breathtaking. breathtaking views of the Red Sea. They got, uh, they got the boat out there in the Red Sea where they got all the... Uh, hookers and blow and all that stuff. <laughs> it's weird that he won this Allegedly. Uh, I would uh, encourage, first of all, everybody to uh, go visit the Trap Draw podcast from this Fantastic. past week. Randy and Tron talking with uh, Mr. Cody. Mr. Cody. Code, uh, codename Cody. Codename Cody, who has spent a good deal of time in Saudi Arabia and all over the Middle East. So weighing into some of the complex issues over there, who better than Tron and Big Randy to bring you closer to those issues? Well, the same day that that was dropped, Golf, <laughs> golf.com slash golf magazine. Quite a juxtaposition. Uh, slash Nicholas Design. Yeah, posted a, uh, yeah, A, Nicholas Design, <laughs> you know, broke the news of their new development in um, the Kadia, um, which Jack has a wonderful vision for the Kadia. Which but, Randy doesn't share, which I heard <laughs> on the podcast. Which uh, me up. you should see this Kadia. <laughs> and then they, you see how much and then, I wish I could bring you sometime. <laughs> 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 They don't. They, Barbara. They don't like you very much over there, though. Um, and then, God, that's fucking dark, right? Golf.com runs runs basically a PR, like a PR statement from the you know Saudi Arabia and and their PR agency, like like written word for word. I've talked to people, like written word for word from the PR agency as like an editorial column. So like, fuck you guys. 
Respectfully. <laughs> I, I, I commend them for it. The more sh- the shit trends that way, the more important we become. Yeah. So let them do it. Uh, like, I think they, the, the course was probably the number one. I, I said bombers course. I meant like <laughs> golf, golf bombers course. <laughs> Uh, DJ wins ma- mm. masterful job by DJ just steps up a couple times on the back nine and absolutely stripes one up a Nat's ass. Um, meanwhile, Tony struggled a little bit down the stretch, got that late, late bird on 18 to really, uh, <laughs> it's really up the strokes gate <laughs> versus the field stats. Exactly. He's, he's, uh, he's gerrymandering the stats there. Struggled down the stretch uh, I, to a two under par 33 on the back nine. Yeah. But yeah. it was a struggle. Bogey, bogey, bogey 16 and 17, though? He did. Yeah, hate that. Yeah. <laughs> tough, tough to win on Sunday. Uh, he played the last three holes one shot worse than DJ, yet lost by two. So even if he had played him three shots better, he would need to play him three shots better to have won the tournament. And he beat DJ today. So Listen, I, I want to give a shout-out to DJ's hat. Tough, it's just tough luck. <laughs> At some he point, needs a break. Gotta... DJ's hat was, uh, I believe Bunky said on... on uh, on Twitter, he, was, he, he, looked, he looked like he was playing in the, in the Bassmasters <laughs> tournament this week. Um, and then, what a that was weird. Tweet of the week. Yeah. Tweet of the week, hands down. Yeah. What a weird-ass tournament. Like, what can the tour – what is the tour – I don't know. Now with this strategic alliance, the PGA Tour, what is their thought on, like, Phil go, leaving the desert to go play in this tournament and people that live in Scottsdale leaving the U.S. to go play in this tournament on the European Tour in Saudi Arabia? They gotta I mean, sign waivers for they, it. Like, can't imagine they like it. Well, how uh, about like Fina? Fina was gonna win this week in yeah. Phoenix. Yeah, and I think he, he should count as a win. And then he chooses to go over there. Legitimately, I think Fina would have blown the doors off everybody today. I say that. Uh, I say that totally. absolutely sincerely. I think he would have won today. Will you add that? Today to the was bet, the day. Then? Today was the What's day. That? Will you add that to the bet then? <laughs> Uh, no, no. Well, we just made the bet, so it didn't, you know. No, I'm oh, yeah. oh, oh, I don't care. He's not going to win again. Yeah, sure. You, I'll give him Phoenix. That's fine. <laughs> he won Phoenix. Yeah, okay. he won That's Phoenix. on the record. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like, and granted, you kind of lit up uh, Mickelson about it, Randy, but I think, like, Paul Casey went to Arizona State, too. And and sure. And then like the, that was <laughs> Paul Casey's statements were were tough. That man. was the that was one I had a problem with. We're like, all right, like like Steve Wheatcroft gets in the oh, in the in the replies this week, you know, like and I'm like Weedy, like. Well, you called out Paul Casey on Twitter for his because two years ago he was adamant about not going to Saudi Arabia, and now he's he, got a fucking UNICEF bag. Like he's you know he's he's like I can't believe this. This is I can't believe we're having a golf tournament here. All this stuff, and then this year he's like, yeah, you know what? Like I've I've really educated myself and done a lot of research and really, you know, and like they're doing a lot of wonderful things here and there. And then they ask him about it in the press conference. And he's like, oh yeah, like I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, you know, it's like, like then like don't, then don't show up at all. Or don't make the stand in the first place. Like well, stand for something. If you actually stood for it, you can go to Saudi Arabia and not collect a paycheck and just go visit and do like whatever. Like if you want to go on a learning yeah. visit, go do it where you're not getting a paycheck. Like, if, you, if you're getting a paycheck to go do it, like we're not going to sit here and believe what you have to say about what you're learning. That's the thing that kills me is like all these guys are so like, well, like, you know, like weedy rolling in. Well, you know what? Like these guys deserve to make a living. You know what? There's, there's how many tournaments every year? And like you guys skip however many of them skip this week if you you know and like if, if you don't want to talk about politics or you don't want to talk about these guys laundering their their to quote unquote uh grupo salinas launder their image before the world then like then <laughs> loosely don't, quote then don't <laughs> fucking go 
I, that's right. where I've been on these tournaments for a while. Is like, do do I begrudge the the guy playing on the fringe or the margins of the European tour who's trying to Not keep their card? Whatsoever. Like, no, yeah. I get it, man. That no leadership's putting them in a bad spot. That sucks, but I, I get I get it. But like, fuck, man, Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson, Bryson, Tony Finau, all these guys like Kokrak. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you do not get to have it both ways, man. You know what? I just but I would explain rather explain why it's different. Like explain why this is different from China. There's a lot of because they have all the money already. No, but like, what aboutism about like? Will they go play an event in China? What, explain why that's different. There's a very good reason why it's different. Well, I, I mean, like a Ch- China HSBC is the sponsor of the event. Yes, right? it exactly. is not the Chinese it's, government it, yes. trying to whitewash their image. This that's is, Saudi Arabia is literally just like trying they're to trying to normalize. Yes, their standing before the rest of the international community. Right. Group of, do it the right way, like Grupo Salinas yeah, does. Exactly. The money. So yeah, that's the again, I, I would encourage Cody does a much better job of summing up the situation than any of us are well, going I to. Think, I, think the, I think the real problem, too, is that you know, Grupo Salinas does that, and they have a, a, a economic model for shared prosperity. Uh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Which we all know what that means. Which I'm not sure the Saudis have that. <laughs> so um, I do also want to say Victor Perez needs to be on your radar screen as a as a manipulator, habitual line stepper, as an OWGR manipulator. I didn't realize he was six foot six, Randy. He's a big guy. He's a, he's a <laughs> oh my unit, god! Man. I didn't know there were big guys yeah. in France. He's from the Pyrenees. Um, he's been on an absolute heater since the beginning of 2019. Huh. I'm kind of fascinated by him. And I've, I've word has it he's one of the slowest guys out there. <laughs> We're monitoring Not the situation. Good. I Not see good. the OWGR points you're, you're making here. The, a solo second at the BW, BMW PGA Championship, the flagship event that gets yeah. the artificial world ranking yeah, points bump. boost. Hmm, that got some up. Got him up 34th in the world. I, a solo seventh at the D, DP World Tour Championship in Dubai. That's a legit Turkish Airlines Open. Is a that's a hotbed for manipulating. There's all right. Uh, RIP. I think they're not having it this year. The manipulating events are the ones that get the minimum number of points despite having no strength of field. Sure. So that's what we're looking out for. That's the Alex Noren special. No, I'm Spe- kidding. Speaking of manipulation, uh, Team Rose, very, very, very excited to get their world ranking up. That was what he posted about today. He's like, oh, D- Team Rose, very excited to get my world ranking back up. Yeah, it was a huge week for all of us on Team Rose. Uh, <laughs> as as Solly said earlier, the, the forums uh, were absolutely just popping off this week. Uh, I think there's going to be some limited edition merch uh, commemorate Team Rose's T2 finish at the Saudi, uh, whatever, the Bonesaw Invitational. Yeah, huge, huge week for all of us at Team Rose. Kind of a fascinating mix of, all right, 30th, Cam Smith, 31st, Kokrak, 32nd, Leash, <laughs> 33rd, Justin Rose, 34th, Scotty Scheffler, and 35th, Victor Perez. Kind of a murderer's row there of guys going all, all over the map. You guys want to talk uh, some distance stuff here? You ready for that? We doing distance, distance, and then and then Amsterdam. Let's do Amsterdam. Let's okay. do Amsterdam. Do you, Surpri- do you, do you, surprisingly, do you, I'm going to yield my time. I, I, I was, will yield my time back to the committee as well. That's I, very I thought it was t- it was whatever. It was t- so many commercials. We've talked about the commercials so many times. I, I'll say this: if I had to power rank last week and this week, I would put CBS one, yes. NBC two. That's I, my big takeaway. I, no I would agree. I'll yield the rest of my time. How about the mini coverage gap today? The micro coverage gap. Uh, throwing, yeah. throwing Faraday on at 254 and then not showing golf for 10 fucking minutes. Thanks to the U.S. Bank sports update, yeah. which, because I mean, yeah, I don't know where else I get Liam my sports McHugh? news. No, he wasn't even on there. Today. We got a, bo- we got a bobsledding a, uh, update for the second day in a row. Lolo Jones is, is killing it on the bobsledding scene. 
So the issue that I see unfolding with NBC is it is a Russian nesting doll of promotion of their own stuff, which like maybe NBC is just too big because it's promotion for the no. office. Oh, oh you're no, talking no, about I would like my time back. <laughs> that's a that's a comcastic take. I I hereby reclaim my time. It's just like promotion for this, promotion for this, promotion for this, promotion for this. It's just a Ponzi scheme of promotion because you get to whatever they're promoting and they're just you're going to get there and it's going to promote something else. And it is out of control. The amount of commercials was out of control. And then they'd come back and they would promote something else, promote something else. The amount of commercials for the players that I saw that's also on NBC. If they're not promoting the players during the players, we're going to have issues. It, they are guaranteed to be promoting the players during the players. It was... Pathetic. I hated today. I it was. Are they so selling bad. any ads? I don't know. Because there's all sorts of PGA Tour ads and just sponsor ads that are that seem to be make goods from tournaments from last year. Right. Mm. That's the part that. Yeah, I, I yielded my time. No, well, speak that, up. But that's the point. No, maybe that's they the, should be yield. Maybe the tour should be yielding <laughs> their fucking time too. <laughs> I, Imagine if on this podcast tough. we we would just take a break right now. Like we, they did it like six times in the course of an hour. Take a break to like promote our own. Well, just listen to our sauce. listen to our players episode. Listen yeah. to our players episode. The players isn't coming up for a couple months, yeah. but just m mark the calendar. It's, it's absurd. Tough. It's it's so and many then, house ads. I'm already watching it, dog. Yeah. I can't pull over any farther. <laughs> I'm already pulled over. And then they didn't like it was worse on Golf Channel earlier today. And I'm with you that it was. It's better when the tournament's better, right? It was, it, when there's a through line like Spieth playing his dick off, it's unbelievable. I'm really wondering. I, I, I'm of the. I'm more encouraged of the belief now. I guess horrible way of saying that, but that you can't make a good broadcast out of shitty and I guess just a shitty interest public interest story. I watch yeah. the European tour like every week though. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> right. But, but that's I, not, yeah. The broadcast wasn't amazing on Saturday and terrible on Sunday. It was like the content was amazing on Saturday and the content was kind of shitty on Sunday. Totally well, agree. Yeah. yeah. I just think it's like but they the also broadcast the is probably so. shitty either way, but it's just a matter of there's something to distract you from yeah. the broadcast being shitty. I think with, um, like watching on golf channel today with Sands leading it, nothing against Steve Sands. I don't have anything against him, but like, I'm not sure anybody shut the fuck up for like an hour and a half. And then it was exhausting. the same thing on the NBC thing where like, I don't know if Bones and Noda and Sands and Todd Lewis, those guys are getting paid by the word, but like they wouldn't like, they didn't take a breath. Steve Butchergrass was tweeting about it. Like John, it was John, John, John Butchergrass. John sorry, Butch sorry. Bucci, come on. Sorry, oh, sorry. Bucci man. Fortner trap dog, yes. <laughs> I, Steve Burkowski, John Butchergrass, I crossed them over. My apologies, of course. But uh that he, it was noticeable. It was just like, man, I don't know. Maybe I don't know if it was just the one week of CBS that, like, man, at least they are in. A, like, their broadcast was different this year, and I get it, different producer, all that. You could feel the fresh look, yeah, right. And like now, I really notice when NBC puts the full screen score graphic up, and like, oh, I was like, oh, I kind of miss the little thing in the corner. That's, that CBS that's four done. seconds we could have back into the telecast kind of thing, and that's where I, you know, I, I want to give NBC the, the benefit of the doubt because this isn't normally their event. This is normally a CBS event. It's a one-off week. Then they're going away. Exactly. Yeah. That's, so that's kind of what I was. Maybe they're mailing it in. I felt like first one of the year. It was a last minute. They got new surprised. talent. New the, talent. They got surprised that the Super Bowl was going to be on CBS. <laughs> <this year. laughs> it snuck up on. I think you yielded your time. I want to say I, I will say something positive. I think John Wood's really great. Yeah, he is. I, I've greatly enjoyed having him on the broadcast. I think he's he's brought a great element. 
But I think the question is, is CBS the top dog now? <laughs> that's that's such a jump. That's Spieth playing well for one week and you declaring him back. <laughs> we'll be monitoring hey, the yeah, there's 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 hints yeah. here and there. So, but yeah, that was, today was very rough. Um, distance. And I, I do want to say Hicks was petrified after he said that, that, you know, they were going through the schedule and he was taking us through the, the, the West Coast and the Florida Swing and then, um, you know, the Valero. And then he said, yeah, and then the, the, the Masters is the first major of, of the year. And he was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I meant, I meant the... The uh, next major of the season. Uh, next major of the season. Oh my God! They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna season kill. or year? Panavijer's. He, oh, he said year. Panavijer's gonna kill my no, family. No, he said season. No, he said year. Did he? Yeah, he said year. I went back and rewinded it. That's bad. Rewound. I do not think that was a Panavijer thing. I think that was truly like within the Panavijer FedEx Cup season. There's already been two majors. I think that was his point of like. So this it's gonna be the season. fourth major of the year, as far as Panavijer is concerned. You, yes. <laughs> as far as Panavijer, you've already granted the players a major this year, not the U.S. Open. We said we're considering it, right? <laughs> it's under it's yeah. under consideration. Yeah. Um, all right. There was some news, which uh, if you listen to our podcast this past week with Jeff Shackelford, there was some news that came out on Tuesday. Uh, the USGA and RNA um, basically with some, with some findings related to distance in golf. They proposed uh, three new equipment standards. That they're a little technical, a little boring, but basically the, the main one being uh, restricting club length from 48 to 46 inches. Sorry, Big Randy. I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> that feels targeted. I, feel, I yeah. feel singled out. They're coming after you and Victor Perez. I, that is bullshit. Which, as Jeff Shackelford pointed out, the uh, comment date on that is in March, basically. So like, there's a potential that this could be pushed through before the Masters. Before the year's first major. The, yeah, Riddler, exactly. the Riddler's bucking his head, guys. Um, there's an updated method on test, uh, update on testing method for golf balls, which is important, but I don't think there's that much important stuff to discuss there as well as changing the testing tolerance characteristic time from 18 microseconds to six. Uh, I'm only, I had heard a lot of people pushing that. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm serious. It's a change. I feel like it only matters if they test stuff. Well, for sure. Right. So, and then (laughs) it's a voluntary testing system. (laughs) Uh, separately, a six areas of interest for basically for further exploration, a reduction in the limit with the, within the overall distance standard, uh, modification in the limitation of ball efficiency, uh, other ball specifications, reduction in the performance of drivers, club length and club head dimensions, including volume, changes into club head specifications on spring-like effect and moment of inertia. That's the big one there, in my opinion. Uh, and lastly, production of spin from all clubs from all areas of the course. Very vague on the areas of interest, I think, uh, which is like to, I would say, to the benefit of, of this report, right? Everything's on the table, baby. Yes. It's all out there. We might change anything. You know, you don't know what we're going to change. It, so like grooves could be changing grooves, could make the ball bigger, could make the head smaller. Bigger cups. That's what I'm hoping <laughs> for. Shout out to Mark King. Mark King. Taco Bell guy, though, right? <laughs> Live Moss. Live Moss, Randy. Bigger cups. So I'm craving the bigger cups. A lot, uh, a lot of people threw their arms up in the air on this pretty quickly. So I, I, I've read this as, as coming for your guns. A very heavy emphasis on the bifurcation aspect, right? The local rule. That would be hold on, hold on, hold on. We gotta get it out on the table. Okay. Everybody, state their state their position right now. Are are you for no rollback, bifurcation, or total rollback? I'm for total rollback. I'm bifurcation. Bifurcation, which I think will lead to total rollback. Uh, TC, I'm with total rollback. Roll me back. <laughs> 
Roll me away, baby. So you want to take people's guns away? <laughs> Is that Bob Hell Seger? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, roll them back. Hell yeah. What do I, I would you care to elaborate? <laughs> no, I said it. I said in our little text thread, like, what the hell do I care if I'm playing a golf course from sixty five hundred or six thousand? That's that's the thing. It's all it's all relative. Relative, and and so I think going along with this, I want to give a special shout out because I shit all over the USGA all the time. I want to give a special shout out, and this is very uh, earnest. The USGA Green section did like an accompanying report, um, looking at architecture and like historical aerials from courses and how and, courses have changed over the years. Yeah. And trees, you know, green sizes, fairway sizes, all that stuff. And like, I, it, it's worth a read. Though, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll post it. It's, it's worth a read. Like, I think that was because it, because it adds so much context to the why on this whole rollback issue. Right. And it, it whether or not people realize it, there is a race going on in terms of, like with the current equipment you play, Randy, you might be more apt to play a 6,300 yard course, right? But if you play with different equipment, you might be more encouraged to play from 6,000, which is great. I'd love to. That's what I'm, I, I, I think like people haven't really fully realized that as technology has gotten better and better and the ball going further, you have probably moved back in tees in some way. They've put the tees oh, further back. For sure. But yeah. And like, the game's gotten more dangerous. It's required much more land. Like, well, and it takes longer. Yeah. Well, I think you're totally hitting on the biggest, one of the biggest misconceptions of a number of misconceptions, I believe, about this report, which is th this disconnect or this misunderstanding that they're going to roll the ball back and you have to play the same tees. Like, <laughs> yes, of course that's not going to happen. Right. Right, like that is that what like that's kind of what I think people are getting at is like, oh my god, you're gonna make people hit it shorter. That's gonna make the game harder. They're gonna say, "Fuck you, I'm not playing golf anymore." It's like, no, I think they'll just move up tees and it'd be exactly the same thing. Isn't that what we're getting at here? Except for it would take, like, like there's so many people that. There's so many different lot, shout out to TC. A lot of different ways we could go with this. <laughs> we're so early in this. We're thing. so early in this. A lot of people saying things, and this was kind of the crux of the first part of Rory's comment, which I guess I don't disagree with, but I think was kind of short-sighted, which is, you know, they should be taking this opportunity, spending this money to make the game more accessible, more affordable, more inclusive, all of that stuff. It's like, dude, a big, big part of that has to do with how much money it costs to play the game. How much money, like, I, I don't get this. It's not an either or. Yeah, I don't get this camp of people who's like, you should make the game cheaper, but don't change the size of the product yeah. at all. Well, and like, like, just make it cheaper. Like, all right, it's like, Rory. well, you got to make the field smaller then. Yeah. How, how else are you going to do this? All right, Rory, like go to, go to any muni in America. That's, that's basically like, you can't hold a, you, you can't hold a tournament there anymore. Cause it's, it's 5,900 yards or it's 6,200 yards. And like, it's, it's irrelevant, man. It, like it's not you're even, telling me that that's not an issue. It's not even just that it's like recreational golfers. I mean, I don't hit the ball far. Randy, you don't hit the ball far. Tron, you play left-handed. Solly, you hit the ball far. But there are plenty of people out there who, A, the farther the ball goes, the farther offline it goes. Like, there are plenty of muni golfers out there who can hit the ball 280 to 300 yards, and they can hit it really far offline. And that's horrible for pace of play, which is horrible for the tee sheet, which is horrible for how much money it costs to play, which is horrible for how much time it takes to play. The broken windows that you're hitting in other like, there's just Is this golf is, any easier now than it was 20 years ago? With the arms race of like you, the golf courses are starting to respond by making the courses tougher, exactly. moving the tees back and all that. Like 
I don't think it is. Well, I, and I think, inherently it is. Of course, it's easy. Like the technology makes it easier to hit the golf ball. But also, I think there's certain stuff in the technology that like isn't going to get stripped away. When my mom goes out and plays, like her irons are still going to be super fucking easy to hit, right? Versus the stuff that she was playing 25 years ago, and and she's not really any better now. But at least she can get the ball in the air now. And like I don't think that the USGA is trying to take that away from her. Right. And that was why I had such a big problem with JT's comments of like, yeah, like, you know, like it's just so unfair to all the manufacturers that like they've done all this research and we're selfish, just, I believe was the yeah, word. Yeah. And like, no, man, like, you know, what's really unfair is like the, the, however many 10,000 or 20,000 golf courses in the United States, like it's really unfair to like make them change every three or four years yeah. and push things back. I, I almost That's a ridiculous premise to think like it's, it's, selfish to think of, oh, you know, these four or five, whatever the number of equipment companies is that really matter in this equation. Gosh, it's it's really selfish to screw those over versus like every golf course in the world, uh, owners, members, people that like pay to play them. Superintendents. Like that's, you know, we're better off screwing them over than the equipment companies that have invested in R&D. To water the grass, more fertilizer, all that. And it's like, no, like at the end of the day, if these changes lead to, more people playing golf in the in the game not taking as long to play the OEMs are going to make just as much money or like they're they're going to sell more golf clubs well and there's ways to differentiate too right the the OEMs can we can change the parameters and then let the OEMs you know give work within sandbox. those parameters yeah. yeah and they're free to develop and you know differentiate as as they will i want to say one thing about the OEMs because i i think that what's what gets a little bit lost here is like, does this suck for them? Yes. Like we should, I, I, I think so. Because I think if you're a company like Titleist. Oh, if you have market share, it sucks. Yeah. Where you do have market share and, and you've, you have spent a lot of, and this is what JT was getting at. And he's right to an he's extent. Sponsored by Titleist. Yes. <laughs> as is web, as is yeah. coincidentally as are, as many of the people who the say this. Guys, yeah. uh, as is Brandle. <laughs> but I think he's a TaylorMade guy. No, I know. But I, I see. As far as you think. But does it suck for them to spend X number of dozen years, you know, working on R&D and building market share with a great product and all this stuff? Like, yeah, it does. That that sucks. And I think a lot of the pro rollback stuff can sound pretty cold to, like, it doesn't understand that aspect of it. And I don't think that's the case. Like, I, I do get that that blows. That's that's an L for them. At no the matter, same time? To start with. At the same time, Industry regulations change in yes. like literally And that's industry. where it's like, dude, you got it. This is a massive issue. And like Life's that's that's going to be where you got to cut. It's right? like the swimming suits back in like, like I'm sure Speedo or whomever put in all the R&D to do those, those you know. Fast those suits. Those fast yeah. suits or whatever. Like in the world torpedo. records. Yeah. And like, <laughs> and then they outlaw them and like that's all that money out the door. But man, that sucks. But. It's for the good of the sport, you know? And that's where, like, kudos to hopefully the USGA and RNA follow through and really feel free to make these changes as stewards of the game. Uh, I, I was going to say, Sally, you, you were exactly right. You know, think about carbon emissions in cars, yeah. right? And, hey, guess what? We're going to change the regulations. And it kind of sucks. You're going to have to, you know, do some more investment, different technology, but here's what it is. And... You know, and maybe the OEMs get more like maybe forged irons or or um, 
you know, spinning your balls or whatever, like there's going to be different priorities and different preferences. And that's a good thing, right? Like, like it, it could get back to craftsmanship and accuracy over distance or like, we don't know what that looks like, but at the end of the day, like that's a good thing. So get, tell me where the OEMs fit into, and I, I, I don't think there's any bias either way here. We are sponsored by an OEM, but I, we're, that's completely separate from this conversation. And credit to them for like Le- letting, letting us, us have this conversation because yes. there's other OEMs that would, that would squash it. Call us tomorrow and say, you guys are off. Yes. Um, the USGA mission statement. USGA promotes and conserves this true spirit of the game of golf as embodied in its ancient and honorable traditions. It acts in the best interests of the game for the continued enjoyment of those who love and play it. It does not, that's an end quote, it does not say we act in the best interest of these uh, OEM shareholders. Yeah, very much so. And and I think everything we've talked about so far basically pertains to what would be a total rollback, right? We're not even really talking about bifurcation, which would be essentially leave everything as it is right now in the recreational game, but just roll back the pro game, which Rory for the 15th time after his incendiary comment about how stupid the distance report was validated exactly what the distance report said, which was the the golf ball goes way too far in professional golf. And so, yeah, if they want to inject more skill into the game and they want to roll it back for us as professionals, I think it's great because, you know, that would really just help the better players. He said something to that effect. That's very well summarized, yes. And and so that's what my head starts to spin a little bit with, you know, who is on the other side of this because it just feels like either a – listen, people like different things and maybe they like different things than I like, but this camp of people who are like, no, I love watching pros bomb the ball. I love it. You can't take that away from me. I would push back on that and say, like, you don't love it. <laughs> you love it, you know, with context to how far they're hitting it in relation to each other, right? Like, everybody loves watching Bryson because he hits it 40 past the next guy. It's not because he hits it 110 past you, it's which all, he does. It's all relative. But it's all re- It's all completely relative. If Bryson's hitting it 310 and he's hitting it 28 past Brian Gay, then, like, that's still... That's still relative yes. right there. And right? it's it's ripping one Band-Aid off, and then it just becomes wooden bats and aluminum bats. Well, just like talking relativity to like I, I, th- I think it – sorry. I think yeah. it introduces – bifurcation to me just introduces complexities that like I, I don't does. understand I t- the need for them. Well, so I, what I would say is the need is <laughs> – your favorite word from last week's podcast, optics, I think, is there's no way the USGA is going to get away scot-free. We've seen how – good they are at PR and and how much all the pros seem to hate the USGA and, and all of these things. There's no way they get away with, in my opinion, rolling everything back completely without it being painted as you're taking our guns and you're making the game harder and why would you do this? You're going to kill the game. They're not going to tell the complete story. Right. right. I, I don't yeah. think there's... like We people saw what happened with Rory's comments this week. People he, aren't going to listen either. Yeah. yeah. Rory said two things this week in the same answer. He said, the distance report is stupid and it's a massive waste of time. And he also essentially said distance report is totally right about pro golf and they really should roll the ball back which one got all the headlines it was <laughs> this is stupid and this was a waste of time and, and i don't think they can trust like that story to be untarnished and it's just gonna it's gonna be dead on arrival you know it's like they can i guess they can force it through and and people can listen to them or not but i think it's it all comes down to optics which is where when we first started this and you asked what your position is i think it's you start with bifurcation I think slowly it's messy for 10 years 
as people are kind of transitioning. And then I think eventually after 10 years, people realize like, oh, wait, okay, this isn't really the end of the world. I guess I can just play a shorter golf course. And I think eventually everybody just switches over to the rolled back equipment. I, I say this knowing that like when we went to Royal Melbourne, you guys played hickories on the East course. I didn't even play the hickories that day. Watching you guys do it, it was awesome. was all the information I needed to understand the benefits of rolling back. So I think a lot of people won't have not never even ha- tried totally. to add that perspective. Yeah. And I know it sounds crazy because on that day, it sounded crazy to me to play hickories on that day. I didn't want to do One of the it. best golf courses in the world. I was, yeah. my attitude, and I don't regret it, but my attitude was like, I, it's a top 100 course in the world. I want to play my own equipment. I don't want to do this. There's also varying degrees of like, you can go play hickories with a ballada ball. You can go play hickories with your regular ball and like seeing the difference between those. Exactly. Two we're, and we're not saying we want to roll back to hickories. I'm yeah. just saying like watching Zach and watch you guys being like, oh, par fives are supposed to be like this three shot thing. And your minds were just working in a totally different way but it was engaging and it was fun and it like golf. I think there's this myth out there that easier golf is more fun. And I don't mean like beating you in the head, super penal golf, but just like, you know, you playing left-handed for a year comes from a place of like, I'm rediscovering just like how to get the ball in the hole. And I'm not as much golf swing and a little bit of a rollback of some kind is going to move people up closer tees. It is going to stop this. Unsust- I've never heard anyone come up with a response to like, Hey, where the hell are we going to put these tees? Well, how, how are we going to keep doing this? It's going to make the game more intimate and more personal. I exactly. And, and something that I come back to is like, is thinking about the outsized influence of the OEMs in the game. Like if, if you consider all the other stakeholders, all the golfers in the world, all the, all the golf course owners, all the superintendents, everything involved with that of how small that the, the, the market cap of the OEMs is in relation to virtually any other industry or any other, you know, uh, even like from a real estate perspective in the game, like how, how that pales in comparison to some of the other stakeholders. And yet they have the loudest voice at the table. Yeah. And some of that's because, because they have the most, you know, the best players in the world. Like the, the shit that Webb Simpson is saying oh is like, God. well, we is, should is bef- some of the, some of the dumbest, most nonsensical <laughs> stuff I've ever heard. Before we get, there, that was one thing I meant to mention on bifurcation is I think that's probably the other Shackelford touched on that a little bit in the pod, which again, if, if you haven't listened to the pod with Jeff Shackelford, please go do it. Cause it's great. It's an advertisement to our own. Uh, it is. Marvel at our treasures. <laughs> 17. Uh, what was I? Fuck was I talking Shackleford about? Shackelford said something important. Bifurcation. So I think another massive part of why OEMs would be against bifurcation would be they've spent so much time marketing these guys as stars, which I guess kind of goes back to our conversation of 40 minutes ago about how there really are no stars, about using them to sell their golf balls. And that's such a massive, massive, massive part of you know their marketing strategy is, oh my gosh, Justin Thomas plays this golf ball, so you should play this golf ball. That's totally fine and makes a ton of sense. But as somebody who plays a lot of golf, watches a lot of pro golf, and has played a fair amount of golf with pro golfers, holy shit, me and Justin Thomas don't play the same game. (laughs) Like, we we really don't. And so this whole model of, like, using pros to sell clubs and balls and all this stuff is just, when you take a step back and and look at it, like, it does not really make a lot of sense in the first place. I I get it, but it's not like selling a, a... pair of shoes or a cologne or a watch or something that another celebrity would sell because it is 
it's it's not it's, it's not the same though. game. It's not the same game, but it's powerful, right? In, in that when but it's like destructive because it leads to all of it leads to all this stuff. You it, know what I mean? It does, it's, but I I think like I think to um it, it's same with like when you're in the market. I think about this too. When I'm in the when I was in the market for car insurance when I first got a car, I you know, I knew of a few brands that are most prominent on TV, like on the things I watch. I went with a particular one. No free ads, of course. You went with Farmers because of Ricky. <laughs> I went with the guy that Seen had it. the animal on there. I was <laughs> like, oh, I recognize that name, right? So there, there's something to I'm a Geico guy being myself. in front of All State for life, <laughs> a lot of uh, golf fans with your brand totally. out with tour players. Yes. The hats, the, like all of that has an effect on people more so to, to your point, it's not like so-and-so plays ball one. I need to play ball one because I'm going to be as good or that's going to help me a lot. But it is kind of like a, oh, Callaway has this many options. TaylorMade has this many options. Titleist has this many options. It does have an effect. Of course. Yeah. But I guess my point would be I, that effect would still be there if if event, if event equipment's bifurcated. You know what I mean? I'm if, with you. If, well, but wouldn't it still be there? With a total rollback, like why? Why can't they still sell? I think it's their limited more flight with golf total balls. Rollback, yeah. That's why maybe they would be more in on total rollback than they would bifurcation, right? Because they lose because that they angle. Yeah, I line. think there's going to yeah. be a natural bifurcation. Like I, I don't know how they plan to do this, but if I were guessing or if I were put in charge of it, I, you just have to pick a year out in the future, maybe five years from now, and and tell the OEMs every club, every ball that's manufactured beginning this date has to conform to our new rules. And so in that interim period, you can still sell, you know, this, this old equipment. And then, you know, nobody's going to, if I show up to the, to the course in 10 years with my old, like, you know, further flying clubs and ball, like nobody's going to tell me I can't play. Like you could, you could go on playing your clubs forever. It, it just, if you want new clubs, they're going to be, under these new regulations and standards. So I, I don't know. That That's how I look at it. I, I think there's going to be na a natural bifurcation period just where you got to switch everything over. Telling OEMs to continue manufacturing and selling two different kinds of, of clubs and, and two different kinds of and golf balls. they kind of already are, though. Is, is silly a little but bit. But what happened with the grooves? Like, the grooves of clubs <laughs> changes. Nobody cared. And the, everyone Part needed to yeah. no no amateur golfers cared. Right, you had to upgrade your equipment to yeah. not have square grooves anymore. But, but like, I'm not like we've had a few guys in the DMs this week. Like, what about me, man? What about like I'm a really top flight amateur player, or like I'm a club pro. Like, do I have to go buy new stuff? Like, yeah, do you, like you buy new stuff every year anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, who gives a shit? And I listen. That's a very legitimate plight of you know. I, I but it's get such that, a small but it's like, dude, that's the puzzle. That's yeah. I don't know that we can really let ourselves be totally dis like. That's not what the decision hinges on. Like we solve for that, you know, once you figure out what the right decision is. But that's not. You know, we don't hold up like. And somebody, honestly, some OEM is going to figure out like a cash for clunkers program and yeah. and like gain loyalty through. Hey, we'll exchange your your old clubs for new ones. You know, at at a severely discounted price. Like, there's things you can do. It's just and so much of this idea it hinders on like the assumption that there aren't rules in place on distance right. and specifications and things. Like, no one's ever even like thought of the the driver distance like. Uh, the length of a driver and been like 48 inches. Is yeah. that too long or too short? Literally until like very recently, that conversation has, I've never heard that had. And somewhat, well, wasn't that what Shackford was saying about the T length? 
Yeah. Was that on the pod? Or am I, I don't remember. Am I remembering that from elsewhere? Where Azinger was all over the T length when we went to. Uh, he was when we went to when we the saw him at the, yeah. at the Big Cedar Lodge. Yeah, uh, T length is okay, but like three woods. No, but I think three No, no, no. But I, I think his point was. I think it was on the pod. Maybe I'd listened to too many other pods this week, but uh, he was asking David Fay about how did you guys come up with the limit of four inches? Because Bryson uses a four inch T, which is the the max, I believe, and. David Fay, I think, was just kind of saying like, "Oh, well, yeah, I don't know. We just kind of, kind of like randomly yeah. just picked that, and that was the limit. And then eventually, someone bumps up to the limit, right? And it's, I, I don't know. I think it's this fear of going backwards. I, I guess that there's, there's a certain sense freaks of everybody out. Like going back to how will these guys ever adjust? How will they ever adjust? First of all, like they're they're changing clubs all the time, and secondly, like Clates always points this out on Twitter. Michael Clayton, he basically says like like there there was a different size ball. I know. <laughs> in the rest of the world, and then like the U.S. switched, and the rest of the world had to switch, and and like the fact that that there's so there's so little understanding of golf history, and then you know I'm sure somebody will use that against us and say, well, yeah, you know, old Tom Morris was bitching about, yeah, you know, this kind of ball back a hundred years ago, but it, but at some point like you are running up against these natural like physics limitations. Yeah. That's, that's, I think the biggest difference is we're now getting up against the realities of like, all right, who's going to take care of all this land. Who's going to build these tees. Who's going to move these bunkers. Who's going to make sure that it's cool that every round of golf takes five hours like that. That's and that the, just doesn't resonate with a lot of no, people. And I don't know why. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like, I feel very preachy when I'm like trying to get it through people's heads that like that is not a free thing and you are yeah. paying for it whether you realize it or not. And I know a lot of people have the attitude of, you know, I, why do I care about the 0.1% of golfers? Like I care about my game. It bleeds into the regular game in so, so, so many ways. So instead of like listening to what Webb Simpson has to say about rollback, like go talk to the superintendent at your club yeah, and, and see what he has to say. Or she, like I'm, I'm, I'm sure that they might have a little bit different take than Webb. Yeah. <laughs> also, I forget. I don't know if it was uh, somebody on Twitter. Might have been either Deep Fried Egg or or one of the boys was talking about Webb's solution that this is a golf course architecture issue and you need yeah. quote more dog legs, more trees, and more trees. Uh, they were saying, you know, this isn't the Sims where you just like drop yeah. in these hundred <laughs> foot trees. Like that's not how this fucking works. Augusta man. the national can do that. Yes. Like, nobody yeah. else. Can. But all these people are like, yeah, you just need more trees. It's like, oh, that's going to take 70 years. And then it gets tougher to grow turf. If you have all these trees, not to mention <laughs> these guys play there four days a year. Who's playing the other, you know, 300 plus days a year at these golf courses is like regular people who are clanking around in the trees all day. Like that's not. Whoa, that is not the fix. It the the idea like all of the people that want to address this through course setup, like I don't even want to have the debate anymore about like why thick rough is bad for accurate hitters, like or short and accurate hitters anymore. Like I, that is so we are not talking about course setup and you cannot address with how far this ball goes what we're talking about, you cannot address the course setup. I know so many people out there think just grow the rough up, narrow it, punish the long drive hitters that are always in the shit. It benefits the long drivers. I know it's yeah. really hard to wrap your head around that. I'm so still, do the, so do the trees and the dog legs. I'm still struggling with like wrapping my head around it too, but it's just how it is. And we're not talking about addressing this shit through course setup because you can't do it. Evidently, Webb's never played Lynx golf either. Yeah, because <laughs> there's no fucking trees over there. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's a tough, uh, it's a tough look. I, and you know, a lot of people have clamored that we need to have somebody on that is not against uh, that is opposite side of the debate because it's a bit of an echo chamber in here. And I, I hear you there. We've had a conversation. I had one with Keith Mitchell in December. Keith Mitchell was one. It was yeah. one of the some of the best points. It was decent perspective, a very good perspective, I thought, from a tour pro that you know made some good points in there. We had a Brandel Chambly was on the podcast in December of 2018. It was two parts. Uh, a lot of people are calling for him to come back on. It will be a repeat of the same conversation. So go find that one if you want to hear uh, somebody on the other side of the debate. I don't um, know. Brandel seems to seems to completely do a one eighty on this about and, about every two and a half years. So. And it's easy to make fun of that, but like I I also want to encourage people to like open mind. You can change yeah. your mind on this. You don't have to dig your heels in. I was pr- I was yeah. not pro rollback rollback when we started no laying up. Not even I didn't understand it. I'm in this. Totally same boat. I thought that was a great point that you made on the the pod last week, which was I was in the same exact boat. Like I I totally didn't get it. I thought it was awesome that guys were nuking nine irons two hundred yards. I thought that's just that's so, so cool. That's human progress, yeah. baby. Yeah. And then yeah, you start thinking about what that means, and it makes your head spin a little bit when you actually read into it a lot, lot, lot more. Which I think all of us have kind of done over the last six years or so. And I floated on Twitter this week just because I was curious as to. You know, if other people had changed, like, and I think fifty-eight percent of people had said they have, their their opinion has changed or evolved after, over the years. So I was kind of like, why are we having? Why are we having this debate? Like, are people even moving sides at all? Are we just kind of you know screaming at each other and no one's really listening to the other side? Um, I was pleasantly surprised that a lot of people, you know, maybe they were lying in the answer, but had said <laughs> that they had moved. Their opinion has shifted over the years. So I, I think there's just a lot of there's a lot of bad faith arguments out there. You know, there's a lot of like. There's a lot of propping up boogeymen that either don't exist or don't apply, and there's a lot of just you know smoke screens and stuff, which which Listen, is but, a bummer. But I, I would say like read the read the actual the USJ made everything public to everybody. Like read it and think critically about what what they're actually saying on there. Best argument against it, in my opinion, against changing anything in the pro game, I think is uh, it's not going to be that much more interesting to casual viewers if the ball goes less distance, like it is not, I'm not going to and end quote to the argument. I'm not going to sit here and, and tell you ratings are going to fly through the roof. If they limit how far the ball goes, do I think it can contribute to long-term health of the game? hundred percent. I don't think it is a argument. I want to stand on that. Like, Hey, all we got to do is change this and everyone's going to love golf. Like, I don't think that's the stance. That's why I thought it was interesting that and important that they included the bullet point about spin in there too. hundred percent. That's, that's, I'm more concerned about spin than I yeah. am distance because I think those two things are. I think they got to go hand in hand, though, right? I the mean, more the more it spins, yeah. I mean, if if Bryson wants to do this, there's no way he's launching it as yeah. high as he as he is without it spinning. And that's you know? I'm sure we've beat this to death on this podcast, but that's that's the crux of the issue, right? Is that there's so many guys swinging as hard as they possibly can because the penalty for missing. Can you still miss the ball as we saw with Jordan Spieth this week? Yes, you can still miss it, but there's a, so many less big misses that happen on a week-to-week basis, which keeps people from making double bogeys, and it keeps the leaderboards, I think, a little more boring than they would be if the best players were rewarded for how good of drivers they are. Webb's a great driver of the golf ball. Rory's a great driver of the golf ball, but they hit it two very different lengths, right? And, And that's where it's like, if you make it spin more, I feel like you reward Rory and Webb, like, maybe not equally, because hitting it farther is better, but you reward them at the same time for a skill that they should be rewarded for, 
while also not making that the only skill that matters in the game of golf, which is kind of what's going on right now. And also like managing your managing your trajectory, managing your spin rates. Like I think I think that's something that's been lost a little bit more. And that's you know, then it then it gets back to all right, firmer, you know, firmer greens and all that. But I think like the most demoralizing thing for me when watching golf is when it's coming down the stretch and there's two holes left and you know that a guy can't can't make a bogey or right. can't mess up. Like it's it's just like, like Harbor Town this year. Yeah, it's just like, oh my God, like yeah. this is it's just like it's already it's already it's written decided, yeah. you know? Yeah. I, I think again important, maybe probably preaching to the choir if you made it two hours into this podcast, but like it's not that we're trying to it's just de-emphasizing the prerequisite of driving distance is a huge factor in this, right? It is not, you know, Jeff said some things on the pod about, you know, this is kind of taken skill out of the game. And I think a lot of people kind of misunderstand what that means. Well, I, mean, I can still hit a pretty far offline. Well, like, Jeff, you should we, come play with me sometime. Are we saying these guys aren't skilled? It's like, no, it's like just prioritizing a certain skill. Exactly. Exactly. And driver wedge is honest. Like I tried to engage some people on Twitter this week with like serious questions and not being a smart ass, but like, do you enjoy driver wedge? And if you say yes, like I don't not judging you there. I don't necessarily enjoy that. Do I enjoy watching that every week? No, I don't think I think that's a lot of the reason we have a lot of the discussions we have is like there's not a lot of variety at times. And yeah, if you enjoy watching Driver Wedge, then you probably think we're silly for discussing it this far, but there's a lot of issues that come with Driver Wedge. A couple ideas I saw floated this week. Take like four to six clubs out of the bag for pros. Which I think, I've heard so many ridiculous ideas. Like ridiculous and ideas. there's another one, uh, much like Formula One where they do a hard, a medium, and a soft tire. You do like a super spinny ball, a medium spin ball, and like a freaking knuckle ball. That would be awesome. That's what people have claimed. Based on tournament, like yeah. tournament to tournament, yeah. you're saying. is going to happen at Augusta someday. They're just going to be like, here's six options to choose from. Go ahead. It's your tournament ball. I guess I, w- I don't know. I'm sure we're, we're getting close to wrapping up here, but I, I would say like the biggest takeaway, at least for me, is you should not bury your head in the sand here and just pretend like everything's going to just keep going forever without changing it's going to change the the it has to that was mike davis's entire thing was like dude if you're not if you don't if you look at this data and you don't see the massive problem you're either like burying your head in the sand or you're you have some sort of bias here and that's a very 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 strong words from the head of the outgoing head of the organization but it's like something's going to happen so I would Brando went full monkey meme at that. At that, at that <laughs> I took that personally, <laughs> uh, but I would I would say like get get ready for something to happen. Yes, and so it's we can de- we can debate what that is and what makes the most sense and the ripple effects of everything, but something's going to happen. Can we talk about the real issues now? Aaron Wise's putting, namely Aaron Wise's putting. Oh my god, <laughs> this is going to be the last. I believe the last thing we cover here, but uh, Aaron Wise had some things happen uh this past week he hit the par five uh third hole in two on thursday and made a double bogey for those counting at home that's five putts um also on thursday he hit to 45 feet on the fifth hole par four and made double that's four putts then on saturday he hit to 33 feet on 16 and made double that's four putts (laughs) i don't know know what's going on there but that's that's just you don't see pros five putting and he had a, he hit a putt two inches at one point from two feet. I don't know if that's a lip out that came right back at him or whatnot, but some of the shot tracker was jarring. So not good. 
couple quick ones. Sam Burns keeps going backwards on Saturdays. Hate that. Good to see him back in the mix, but want to see see a little bit more consistency on the weekends. Uh, I didn't realize Rom and his wife are expecting. She's with child. Rom getting new perspective plus plus (laughs) managing his emotions emotions is going to be big. Um, I just want to point out real quick, uh, Aaron Wise lost 10.2 strokes putting for the week, which is uh, over four shots worse than the next guy. And Sam Burns gained over 10 shots on the greens. They had over 20-stroke differential on the greens. Between what the did two. Wise finish at for the week? Dead last. Okay. The guys made the cut. Okay. 66th. Yeah. K- I want to give a shout-out to KH Lee. Good to see him in the that mix. That was great. I like, like great his golf. game. And I want to give a shout-out to Kessler Corain <laughs> for getting in some asses on he Instagram. He posted a great meme. <laughs> Great meme that included us in it with a Darth Vader. Somebody else made it. Some One of the Boko Haram accounts <laughs> made it. But, uh, that was great. I had a great laugh on that. Like, that is the villain. Like, you got to play that role. And Please ta- keep it up. I talked to a few people at Tor HQ this week, and they said, man, like, lay off us a little bit. Like, Justine Reed is threatening us with lawsuits anytime we do anything. That's amazing. They're, like, they're, they're scared shitless of her. <laughs> She's an alpha. A big, big Lady Macbeth vibe. Yeah. All right, we did it two weeks in a row, over two hours. Uh, thank you, boys. Uh, thank you, everyone, Just for five, tuning in. Five more things about the distance. Okay. No, let's <laughs> please. I got to go pee. Let's go watch the Super Bowl. So. Shout, shout out to I Co- think the Super Bowl's over. Honestly. <laughs> shout out to Cooper Bradley. Yeah, Keegan Bradley's. Uh, that's gonna be. That's gonna be interesting. That's, <laughs> that develops. That's an interesting uh, strategy there. But uh, thanks everybody for tuning in and listening all the way through, and uh, we'll see you on the other side. Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect.